Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. I'm a fiend for podcasts. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Can I get a little louder? I'm a fiend for podcasts. Hola, chica. I'll take you to the best place for podcasts. Place. I fucked I'll, up that. I'll take you to the best place for podcasts. i take you for the best place for podcasts. I'm out of it. I'm sorry. Cuba. Cuba. Uh, hi, everybody. My passport's no good in Havana. My, the harbor master is my cousin. It's okay. The harbor master is my cousin. I wish I could. Like, it's the, the, no, there's never been an accent like it before or since. No. A Chinese actress doing a Cuban accent, not knowing any of the words she's speaking and doing everything entirely phonetically. Yeah, this is one of those totally phonetic performances. It's a totally right? phonetic performance. I, I cannot uh, fathom doing that. No, you're an actor. What, what do you even do? I don't know. If everything you're thinking about, and how do you do that and then give what is objectively and was recently declared by the Library of Congress is the greatest film performance <laughs> in history? I mean, I do think when when you have actors who are giving phonetic performances like this, mm-hmm. the thing that really stands out is the presence. She's got it. She's got it. She's got 400 keys of presence. And I, I will say I do always sense, and I think this movie is the closest I've seen to someone completely overcoming it. Mm. But we talked about this with, uh, well, we'll talk about it next week. Coutillard uh, in Public Enemies, mm-hmm. where you feel the difference between her in Public Enemies and her in Inception, which is in Inception she's less stressed out. Sure, just because she's, she's had a few more reps doing English. She knows language. what she's right. saying. Right. Uh, my my grandfather. I don't bring up my grandfather much on this podcast, but he was a French actor who died long before I was born. Sure. Right. He was like a French character actor, and he did a, a handful of American. Uh, I think you might have talked about him once. I can't remember. Go on. I might have talked about him once yeah, or yeah, twice. Yeah. I don't talk about him a lot because I don't. Uh, I didn't know him. Fair enough. Uh, a fan of his work. Seemed like a good guy, uh, but sure. he did a bunch of Hollywood films in the 1960s. And my mom told me that he uh, never spoke any English. That it was always phonetic. The only other English language performances I know that she gave, Memoirs, Memoirs of, of a Geisha, Geisha. I think um, Hannibal Rising, I would assume she speaks Fuck, English she's in Hannibal that. Rising. Does she play his mom in that? She plays like his mentor. We make, it would make no sense for her to play his mom. Like, you know. We all know that people <laughs> eat. But what if people eat, eat people? people? Mm. Hola, chica. That's what Hannibal says to her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, like I've seen, I have never seen. I curse of the golden flower is entirely in Correct. in Mandarin. That's Correct. not. Um, yeah, that was her like limited run of doing English language films, right? That was a, pretty much. Except you know what? What I didn't even know this. She's in Mulan next oh. year. Oh, she's probably gonna rock the fucking house. Mulan's got a really good cast. You know that Jet Li's playing the Emperor. Yeah, and Donnie Yen's in it, yeah. and Jason Scott Lee is in it. Yeah. We stand. Stephen Summers is the Jungle Book. Yeah, a movie you keep on bringing up. It's just like crazy to me that in 20 years, 25 years, we went from like Stephen Summers is like, I'll remake the Jungle Book. Get me a tiger. (laughs) And like 25 years later, it's like, we're doing the Lion King, photorealistic animals. It's like, why didn't you just get a lion? Hmm? So, you know. Anyway, I just wanted to point out, uh, yeah, Tommy Lee Jones is supposedly giving Gong Lee special house rocking tutorials for her role in Mulan. That's all. That's how you do it. 
Who does she, does she play Mulan's mother? Who does she play? Uh, let's see. She is playing a powerful and malevolent witch. Well, a new character who's not in the film, the well, animated film. You know what? It's probably going to fucking rock the house. I was going to say. <laughs> that sounds pretty house rocking. Uh, analysts, uh, studio is confident of uh, major house rocking. I am. I'm. We've talked about this. I'm pretty excited for that Mulan movie. Me too. A Nikki Caro. A A you love McFarland USA. You're the number one McFarland USA. Stand. Good movie. Yeah, you tried to get your name changed to Griffin McFarland USA, and this people, the, America was like, you can't put a comma in your name. America loves the cause. <laughs> I also, you know what I like about McFarland USA? Mm. McFarland USA looks on its face like a white savior movie. Uh huh. And the first scene where Kevin Costner comes in, and he's like. I'm here to give you kids a chance. I'm here They're to like, save you with right. my whiteness. Right. They're like, fuck you, white guy. Okay. Like but then a, does he save them, though? Not really. I mean, okay. that's like. All right. I haven't seen it. That's the point is like the whole movie is them being like, we're not going to let you think that you're saving us. You know who else is in? You're the, coaching us. Uh, Mulan. Zima. Love him. Who's Zima? Uh, you know, he's the general in Arrival. He's in The Farewell, oh! which you haven't seen yet, but you will probably yes. have seen right around now, and he's yes. phenomenal in it. I know, he's what, in I know the actor you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, they also, it's less, they're doing more a new adaptation of the folktale than... Yeah, and uh, right, yeah, right. Which makes me think it is not going to fall into the Disney Let's Remake Shot for Shot trap. No. Now, of course, this is the, the section of our podcast where we talk about The Lion King because we do this every episode now. Yeah, right. And this one's coming out soon. It is. Uh, in our Reddit, because anytime there's any clip with more than half a frame of, of mouth moving, mouth movement, everyone goes to the Reddit and talks about how creepy it does or doesn't look, right? Yeah. yeah. And someone said, I don't understand why they didn't just hire uh, Julie Taymor to do this. Well, uh, she's had some some trouble recently interacting with uh you know uh producers right now that's the reason i had thought that uh it was favreau post jungle book being like i would like to do the lion king right in fact i now know from very good authorities oh. that uh mufasa mufasa himself up in the clouds we stand a legend never forget mm -hmm. uh that disney was like developing an idea of an updated Lion King uh -huh. without Favreau in mind, just okay. generally like we should do this now that the technology exists. Right. And Julie Taymor uh, like fought to get a meeting with them. Sure, sure, sure. That uh, they like reluctantly in the most passive aggressive way let her come in and pitch They're the like, whole thing. I guess thank you for making the most successful Broadway show of all time. So we I should mean, extend the courtesy. Am I wrong in thinking I read somewhere that it is the most successful piece of media it in might history? Be. That thing prints money. I think it is the most Have successful you seen the Lion King piece on Broadway, of media no. is her production of The Lion King. Let's go see The Lion King on Broadway. 5,000 stretch goal. <laughs> that should be it? Yeah. Dude, like I, the gang goes and sees the Lion King on Broadway and just reviews it. Yeah, with like it was great. Yeah, the Good. puppets. Yeah, I saw, I on. saw it during previews. Uh, sure, sure, so like I way back when, when you were like, like a little kid, like twenty two years or whatever. I saw it like when it opened in London. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like so that I probably was like ten years old. That's so weird though that you would go see yeah, a I saw Broadway it on the West show End. on vacation oh, when you could yeah. just see it at home in New York City oh, where you grew thing up. Is, I lived in England at what? the time. What? It was one of the 13 years that I lived there. Hmm. Interesting. Sounds pretty unlucky. You know um, what else I saw? What? In England. Miami Vice? That's right. On vacation? Mm, no. Hola, chica. I got in my go-fast boat and I went to England. 
I just think it's fascinating that Julie Taymor was like, hey, maybe you should let me pitch yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I got and an they idea. Were like, oh, fine. Are you free on Sunday at 4 a.m.? <laughs> and she was like, I am. And they were like, God damn it. We yeah. didn't think she'd take Can it. Can you Skype in at uh, 7 a.m. Shanghai time? Like, yeah. they tried to give her, like, a weird math problem to solve. Right. <laughs> but, but here's my source for this. I heard Julie Taymor saying this at a fucking party. Oh, sure. At, like, a New York Film Festival thing. Uh-huh. And they had just announced it, and she was ranting about it, and she was like, Julie really Taymor ranting? Yeah. What? But look, I, I like, she made this argument, which I think she uh, has, with time, proven to be more and more uh, correct about this, and I think once the movie comes out, will prove be proven to be 100% correct about this. Right. She was like, it's not going to work. They think they can apply the same technology they used on the Jungle yeah, Book. Right, right, right. But, but the it difference won't is, match, right. if you don't have one human character as an anchor, It'll be bizarre. And you're removing the stylization and you have multiple characters of the same species. It's not going to work. Right. And she was like, I was going to do more of a hybrid thing, yeah. sort of like the way we use. Something more stylized. That was that yeah. was her whole take. Sure. And she was like, I was still going to do CGI. I was still going to do motion capture. I had the whole pitch They didn't for do motion capture for this, though. Exactly. Yeah, but go on. Yeah. She was like, I'm going to do motion capture. I'm going to have yeah, it be yeah, humans. Yeah. I'm going to think about it the same way I thought about humans. Like, with the masks and half puppets and all that sort of stuff. It wasn't going to look like the Broadway show. Right. And at least creatively, that probably would have been the right avenue for them to take. Maybe. But now it will be like a, a source of nightmares for children yeah. for years to come. <laughs> I will say the latest clip they posted, yeah. it looked okay. It looked okay. It looked okay. I was less uh, less alarmed by it. Kind of looked like... More what I imagined, I guess, like from that looks, first clip. Okay. And looks okay. When this episode comes out- Still it, not pumped. Yes. When this episode comes out, it'll be like a week away from release, right? I believe that's right. I believe that's right. Kids are not going to want animals to talk after this movie. I mean, that's the question. that was the thing. I was always like, oh, I yeah. want animals to talk. Like, imagine if when my dog When you're a kid, you're talk. like, right. Animals and talking? Hello. I understand the calculus. Anything and talking. I understand the calculus in the sense that like kids love talking animals talking that are forks. stylized in cartoons. Right. Well, and please tell the listeners what I'm wearing right now. Forky baseball cap. I mean, forky baseball cap. I got it five below. The tag said Forky Dad Hat. Nice. Because <laughs> Forky's my daddy. Forky's your daddy, so am I your other daddy? Yeah, you're going to adopt me. <laughs> Loving home. Nice family. <laughs> this is the future that liberals want. A man <laughs> and his spork and his adult son. Go on. I understand the calculus in the sense that kids, kids love like talking animals. Yes. They love cartoonish talking animals. They also love watching real animals. Like mm -hmm. kids love the zoo. Kids love watching nature documentaries. Until it gets to the scary part. Like, you know, you're always surprised that like kids like watching footage of like lions and shit. Yeah. You're like, that seems too scary. And kids are like fascinated yeah, by love, it. But they're, yeah, it's cool. But I think I think they don't want to see both at the same time. We'll see. I think Disney is uh, pretty convinced that you're wrong. L look, I contend, still, everyone's going to see this fucking movie. And many people are going to see it multiple Lots times. Lots of people are going to see it. Yeah. It's going to do great. It's going to do great. The Your contention is was that it was going to be the best ever, which was insane. But it's going to do amazing. It's going to do Bafo B.O. I mean, what if I am right, though? Then I, you, you're, it's incredible. Because I've backed off of my own bet even being like, I'm probably wrong. But I if you're right, it's like, I mean, I can't think of like the sports analogy, but it's right. like, it's it's unheard of. Right. A, a 
Photo finish? No, that's not right. No. Because in a summer <laughs> where everything is flopping, Aladdin is one of the only movies overperforming. Aladdin's over the fucking overperforming like crazy. Right. And Lion King's gonna double that. One is but even doubling it, that's like nowhere I'm aware. near what Endgame made. Right. I'm aware. It's not a talking warhog. That is true. He's chunky. <laughs> he's kind of dirty. Yes, he's chunky. He's certainly dirty. He's a little dirty, a little chunky. I mean, he's fake dirty. It's yeah. all fake. He's such an unappealing color. Yeah. Everyone is. Yeah, but like when the warthog, like, I'm like, like oh, right, they're like grayish brown. Warthogs are crazy animals. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, right. They are not like a beautiful sort of like, you know. Burgundy. Exactly. Yeah. Right. A claret. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with a finely quaffed mohawk. <sighs> Pumbaa's cool. Yeah, Pumbaa's a good guy. But you know what? Like, that's the first fart joke in Disney, right? Is it? Isn't it? It hmm. probably is, right? Hmm. It's not in the other, it's not in like Beauty and the Beast or Little Mermaid of this. Like, that's probably. I think you're probably right. That's probably. There wasn't a mouse fart at one point. In The Great Mouse Detective? I don't know. Sure, like, was like, excuse mice. me. They always have mice in their <laughs> yeah, They always have mice in their In movies. Cinderella? Yeah, like flatulent. Yeah, I mean, right? Like, I could, I bet you, that's the first time Disney was like, "Fine, do a whole fart joke sequence." Yeah, and like, it's just like a moment. It's just it's a, a change. Ch- change t- times is changing moment. It's a, right. It's a moment. Like that's one of those things where like no one farted in a movie before Blazing Saddles. Is right. Blazing Saddles like broke the glass ceiling on that. Right now, the fart now ceiling. think about how many comedies in the last thirty years don't have a single fart joke in them. Right. <laughs> So like uh it's uh, the last days of disco. Right. <laughs> but like here, just this metrics. What is the last big studio comedy to have zero fart joke? I cannot think of one. Because even if I try to think of an answer, I'm like, there's probably one I'm forgetting. I mean there's I'm sure there's studio comedies without fart jokes now. When? I where? don't know. Wait, How? Where? Where? <laughs> <laughs> you saw Stuber yesterday. Stuber have any fart jokes? I don't think so. Stuber does not. It has a dick joke. Oh, cool. Uh, it is kind of one of those things where you're like, we are, we're How's here the dick now. joke? Actually, maybe the funniest single line in the Cool. Film. Wow. Um, but you know what I mean? Where they're like, we, because Stuber is just like a fucking down the middle, like yeah. we're making a gross 80s buddy cop movie. We're making 48. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's right. like, it's 90 minutes long. Yeah. Like it's one of those movies where you're like, your body's almost conditioned where you're like, okay, so like four more action sequences, right? And then you're like, oh, wait, no. We're actually almost done. This That's is actually great. it. Uh, like it's not, clockwork. It's not good, to be clear. It's like watchable. Okay. Like it's, it's the kind of thing. I mean, my review, I was like, this thing would have dominated a blockbuster. Mm-hmm. And it's the kind of movie where you're like, it's hot outside. And you're like, at least the movie theater's cold. Sure. You know, and like, and it's not going to hurt my feelings. Like, it's like them being funny. Well, look, here's a transition to our subject but, today. But I was, I was just oh, going to say, make your point. but there are no boobs. There's no tits. Is, There's, it, is it R? It's a hard R. Very violent. Interesting, but there's no but there's gratuitous no nudity. Tits, there's just a penis. You so you see one. Yes. Cool. And it's one of those things where I'm like, right, that's the flip in 2019. Yes. You'll put a dick in it, mm-hmm. like a comical dick of you know, like where you're like, oh my god, it's crazy. Dick's funny. It's very large. Sounds pretty funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, not like some scene where it's like. Yeah, the girls have a conversation at the gym, <laughs> like or right, I don't know, right. like what, whatever those eighty movies, eighties movies had. Right, that there was always someone crashing through a window just as someone was removing only their bra. Exactly, someone decides to take a skinny dip. Right, right. <laughs> hey, do you want a skinny dip with me? 
Well, that's the moment where as a uh, whatever I was, 12-year-old watching Wet Hot American Summer, I mm. was like, oh, this is the best movie I've ever seen. Mm. When I was like watching my rented VHS and right. they're like watching the girls go skinny dipping and I'm right. like, okay, here we go. Move closer to your like, six-inch television. All right. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, down to business. Like, I'm pulling my beanbag chair up closer to the screen. You're scooting. Yeah, right. I'm like so amped. And then they go to like the, 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 the most sex romantic scene. sex scene right. I've ever seen. And I was like, okay, I mean, I'm angry because now I don't know what to do with this thing. But on the other hand, Go on. Game recognized game. Good work. Um, <laughs> Woo. Okay, this was the transition I was going to make. Out of gross talk. Yeah, let's get out. There are two quotes that have been uh, really uh, sort of jangling around my brain recently. Jangle, jangle. Uh, jingle, jangle. As you know, I've been uh, in a uh, free fall uh, mm, about right. the state of the film industry. Yeah, you have. You need to. Particularly the death of movies. Throttle back. Particularly the death of uh, studio comedy. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, the field I thought I was going to work in. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, there was the big New York Times, uh, Kyle Buchanan, uh, the future of movies piece. Yes. Right? That everyone's talking about. And the line that jumps out to me that I keep on keeps haunting me. I think it was Tom Rothman said it, where he said, uh, I believe I put it in my article. This generation it. does not go to the movies, right. they, go they go to, to a, movie. a movie. Right. And something like Stuber would succeed when you were like, it's July and you call your Let's boys. Just fucking go. And you're like, what's playing? Right. The plan is let's go see a movie and then you figure out what is least objectionable to everyone in the group. That's what Stuber's going for. Right. And uh, I was talking with a friend of the podcast, Alex Ross Perry, and we were talking about like, yeah, you like, you know, it's Friday. You don't have school the next day. Let's just yeah. go to the theater and then pick the consensus movie. Yeah, let's just watch people. Right. Uh, that is gone. I do think that for a generation, it's like, I will go to the theater when there is a thing that compels me to go to the theater. I don't go to the theater because like seeing a movie would be fun. Right. Um, but also, you we at that time you would have like where could you see a movie? You didn't right. have media. Yeah, no, you had to go to the movie. Yes, of course. Yes, you couldn't just go home and watch YouTube. Totally, which now we can do. Right. Like if we were gonna go home and watch YouTube when we were teenagers, it's like we, let's go home and watch Real Player. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, like right. for like five minutes. Oh, it so let bad. it load. Press press play. Press pause. Let it load. Okay. Yeah. Let it buffer. Real Player sucks. I mean, oh, you guys you still think? do it. I, buying DVDs, like, that was the only way I would see a movie. Right. Of course, yeah. You go well, home. this is the second thing, okay? Yeah. So there's an incredible Slate article, which we're going to be quoting a lot because it's one of the craziest things I've ever read about the making of today's film, Miami Vice. Because, of course, this is a podcast called Blank Check with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. David. Real tight on the cue there. <laughs> this is a, a podcast about filmographies. Directors who have massive success early on in their career give a series of blank checks make whatever crazy passion products they want. Sometimes those checks clear, and sometimes they're a fiend for Mojito's baby. Hola, chica. It's a main series on the films of Michael Mann. Mm-hmm. It's called Cast the Pot Heakins, a.k.a. Michael Mansplaining. Sure. Today we're talking about David's favorite movie of all time, Miami Vice. Yep. In this long piece, where okay. they're talking about how disastrous the production of Miami this Vice This film had is. a somewhat tortured production. And also was the come-to-Jesus moment, I think, for Colin Farrell on a personal level. Right. In terms of like him rebuilding his life, going to rehab, getting off the sauce, like all Colin that Farrell says that he remembers zero percent of making this movie right. and they finish filming and he immediately walks into rehab. Yeah. It plays. Hell yeah. Works. He looks good. Fucking good. <laughs> I wish I could be that drunk and look that good. That drunk 
styled that particularly. That unwashed, too. That like, unwashed. I, I, I mean, and this is a movie where, like, yeah. fully 80% of, like, people who watch it are like, he looks like fucking garbage. Yeah, right. But, like, what they are is wrong. <laughs> He's a handsome boy. He is. And I would like to take him for a mojito. Oh, you want to take him out for a mojito? Yes. Um, I just always, I envy the guys like Colin Farrell or like Mr. R. Pats. Uh, oh, Hazar Bulbasaur himself, who are able to rock never washing their hair. Right. It just always looks so cool to me. When I try to do it, I feel disgusting. No kidding. If I don't take a shower every two hours, I feel disgusting. Right. Yes. But, like, this is a movie where I would not be surprised if Colin Farrell says that he never shampooed once during production. <laughs> he was probably eating the shampoo. Yeah. Anything that'll get him, get him yeah. on, you know, keep him level. Yeah. I imagine Colin Farrell during the filming of Miami Vice, like, uh, Walking Phoenix and the Master, like, tapping, like, uh, uh, gas tanks. <laughs> right. <laughs> Making rocket juice. He would, yeah, he would drive the Ferrari, and then when they were done, he'd like get his his yeah. uh, siphoning pipe. Yeah, just... yeah. <laughs> uh, alcoholism is no laughing matter. It isn't, and I'm so happy that he figured his. Shit out. That's the yeah. point. That's why we laugh now. Right, 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 right. Because we're on the other side of it. Uh, still, probably tasteless. Um, but but this is this piece about this disastrous production yes. where Colin Farrell is on the verge of uh, a collapse as a human being and saves right. himself from the brink. Right. And when Jamie Foxx uh, wins the Oscar after signing on to this movie Correct. and starts going insane with how much he can flex his movie star muscle. Right. And uh, Michael Mann is at perhaps the peak of his like insane uh, perfectionism combined with his indecisiveness. And his obsession with digital photography, which is like in like fully nascent form. Right. Like, All of this. The technology is not his obsession. The movie costs $150 million. Oh, yeah. I think mm. it was greenlit somewhere around 100 Yeah. Universal claims it only went up to 135 Liars. It definitely went up to 150 Yes. And. Uh, it made about that worldwide. Yes. Yeah. I think it made 163 worldwide. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the head of Universal, uh, who had only uh, taken the position uh, after Miami Vice had finished filming. This Slate article, because now every weekend when a movie underperforms, there's some there's like, like a what slash film article right, about right, like right. There's a Hollywood David reporter. Harbour never got along with uh, Neil Marshall or whatever. Sure. And they never get any of the big people to comment on it. Right. Right? Right. This article is about how Miami Vice was a disaster. And it's like Michael Mann is on the record, right? Everyone's yes. on the record. Is Fox on the record? Fox is the only one not on the record. Because I was about to say, because he's the... Everyone talks about him kind of, you know, he's sort of the villain yeah. of Miami Vice, right? But, like, the locations manager... Apart from Jose Guerra, of course. Of course. The locations I'm manager... I'm more of a disco guy. They call me Crazy Pig. How many is John Ortiz in? Three or four? Man movies? Yeah. Because he's in Black Hat, right? He's in uh, uh, Public Enemies. Yeah. Is he in Collateral? He's in another one. I'm going to look it up. Okay. You, you keep talking about this article. Well, I'm going tangent on tangent, but I just have to say this before I forget. Okay. Because we forgot this in our collateral episode somehow. Okay. 2004. There are two films where an emotional centerpiece is the protagonist going to meet Barry Shabaka Henley at a jazz club. Because <laughs> the other one's a terminal. And we've right? covered the other one on this show. We have covered the other one on this show. There are two. I was like, why, why do I feel like we've talked about this scene before when we were talking about 
the Barry Shavaka right, Henley right, scene. Right, right, and it's right. because Tom Hanks goes to him and yeah, is like, yeah. tell me who my father was. I guess what. it's just the three. It's just it's three in a row. It's okay. Miami Vice, Public Enemies, Black Cat. He's okay. in all three as different characters. Yeah. He's the a, same character. No, but I mean like different, very, very, very different, different types, types of characters. Like in one, he's an insane uh, Colombian drug lord. Right. In one, he's like an Italian mobster who's like, yeah. well, what's your problem? Yeah. And in one, he's like a harried middle manager at the FBI. Right. Who's like, God, will you stop hacking? Right, but he's also like a white collar mobster. Yes. In black, right. and, and not black, public enemies. In public enemies. Yeah. He's a look, great actor. And then also he's like a respected, you know, that's his main jo- job is like theater guy. The Labyrinth Theater Company. Yeah, the yeah. Labyrinth Theater guy who's in like Jacko's Boating is yeah. like, you know, a divorcee. Right, he was five size BFF. Yeah. He's the villain in Fast But he's also the four. villain in Fast 4 and then Fast pops ampersand. up again in 6, Comes maybe? back in 6. Yeah. Uh, Polly visits him in jail, right. old Polly Walker. He's just a great career. I he's love a great it. career. Wait, okay, let me go back to the thing. They uh, call him Crazy Pig. They call him Crazy Pig? No, I mean... No. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm inceptioning back through the levels to remember what we were originally talking about. Okay. In this Slate article, yeah. the then head of Universal Films... Uh, who goes on the record and talks a lot about this movie? Yeah, and does not find his name. deny that production was difficult. I'm going to get this article. I'm going to uh, Mark Schmuger. Yeah, this well, is why I kept the tab. Up. What a Hollywood name, yeah. Mark Schmuger. <laughs> um, uh-huh. What about Mark Schmuger? He uh, in this thing. Sorry, I'm trying to find the exact quote. Uh, I can he, find the quote for you. He in this thing says here. Yes. Okay. The title is how Jamie Fox forced a different ending on Miami Vice, fleeing the scene is the title of the article. Right. But he says here, <clears throat> they're talking about how much money it costs and that this guy only came on late and that he's defending all of Michael Mann's decisions in the name of artistry, which no studio head would do today. No, not really. No. And this is the key difference, and this is what has been ringing in my head about what kind of kills movies, okay? Mann's track record in box office isn't that strong, but studio chairman Schmuger says, it's not all about lines at movie houses. And then he says, the key on looking at the profitability of Michael's movies is that they've got a very long tail well after theatrical run, Schmuger maintains. Everybody's seen Heat. Everybody's seen Last of the Mohicans. The films do fantastically well in video on all tel- television outlets overseas. Right. Which used to be so much of how Hollywood made its money. Television sales? Right. So if you had a movie that really played... International sales. Right. But but international sales on TV as well, right? Mm -hmm. If you had a movie that really played, had high rewatchability, something like Heat, which goes from being a box office disappointment to this movie that must have been immensely profitable over the decades. Sure. Right? Um, And then in the 2000s, you have this DVD boom where suddenly DVDs are really cheap, take up less space, and people have massive collections of things. Okay. And if a movie is good... It makes back its money eventually. Sure. Even if it underperforms theatrically. You have so many different avenues. I'm sorry, I have two devices on. <laughs> but so these guys like Michael Mann or like David Fincher. Yeah. You'd be like, oh God, it's so much more expensive than this movie should be. Right. But I'm betting on quality. Yeah, and it'll have a long tail. Yes. Yes. It's the kind of movie people will keep on watching every time it comes on TNT. Okay. Well, when it goes to streaming... And when home video dies and TV plays don't matter as much, it really just becomes about how much can you make in theater. Sure. Because there's a lot less potential upside in the ancillary post-theatrical window. Sure. 
And so Miami Vice was universal being like, I know none of this makes sense. I know this movie shouldn't be this difficult and it shouldn't cost this much money. Right. But we're betting on the potential that he makes heat. And even if we've now established a budget that there's no chance we hit in theaters, if it's as good as heat, it will continue to make money for us. Right. That's gone now. People don't take these risks anymore. We can argue about the industry all day, but like the streaming industry is like the potential is just still like un unknown. Like how how much money is going to be made there? And like that's going to be that's going to be where all the future shakes out. But there is a massive difference in terms of profits on a movie between if it's streaming on a site, whether or not you're the conglomerate that owns that site, versus rentals or there, the like. There is now. Yes. But in the future where there are 10 big companies running streaming sites bidding, things might change. It's all going to it's all just shifting that away, but who knows? Who knows? Very very weird time. It's a weird time. He's just like it's bad. This it's bad. Weird. As I said to someone the other day when they were asking me about this, the the people want to watch shit yes. so bad. Uh-huh. More than ever. Yep. It's all they fucking want. Yep. The world's melting. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard this. I've heard I this. just found out about this, but Donald Trump's president of America. Wait a second. What? Donald J. Trump. People don't like that. Host of the Apprentice? And exactly. And so instead they're like, can I just fucking like put my hands on my wait pants and wait watch second, Miami Vice? Wait a second. You Slow know? down. Yeah. Donald Trump is president of the United States of America? Exactly. This is nuts. But that guy. Yeah. He's no good, very bad. He's no good. <laughs> that guy's no good. They call him crazy pig. Okay, first of all, <laughs> first of all, how did that happen? <laughs> Second of all, how have I not heard about this? You think it'd be all over the news? I know. You'd think people would uh, like make entire content industries out of covering it. No one's talking about this. <laughs> what if a. Uh, Seinfeld was like, I want to do 10 minutes on, you know, Fallon. Yeah. He comes out and he's like, you hear about this? Donald Trump's the president? That guy was host of The Apprentice. I can't even get he's over. He's got silly hair. I can't laugh at your joke because I cannot believe that I didn't know that this had happened. Yeah, yeah. You think Robert De Niro would be yelling about it or something? <laughs> oh, boy. No, he hasn't weighed in yet. We're not sure. We're waiting. He might like the guy. We're waiting and seeing. De Niro? Him. You might like the guy for all I know. He's a New Yorker. <laughs> me, for me, number one, he's a New Yorker. We stick together. <laughs> Robert De Niro cries in Spider-Man every time that the New Yorkers throw rocks at the uh, Green Goblin. He's like, that's what New Yorkers do. I would. We stick together. God, I would love Then to. he cries like in Silver Lining Playbook when he's like, <laughs> like that. He's sort of like all over the place. I was going to say. Go ahead. I would love to get the list of movies that make. Robert De Niro cry. I would love right. for Robert De Niro to be like, you hear the scenes that always make you cry. For me, it's one, Operation Dumbo drop every time when they drop that Dumbo. The end of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> when Matthew Lillard says we're like two freaky pods, peas in a far out pod. The trailer for Max. Trailer for Max. That dog, he served his country well. <laughs> I can't even do him. No. No. I feel like sometimes I can, and then yeah. the other 98% of the time, I so cannot. Sometimes, right, we can all do the face. We're, we're doing some we're faces. We're all doing the faces. We're all doing the faces. <laughs> a lot of it's breathing. A lot of it's the heavy breathing. I like Donald Trump. <laughs> He's in New York. He's in New York. He came to Tribeca once. Ted was very beautiful. Okay, so here's the thing where you and I have been disagreeing. 
No, let's not keep fighting about the industry. Jesus, let's talk about Miami Vice. Okay, then I'll just say this as my final point. All right, fine. I agree with you. People don't want to watch stuff. They're also super entitled, and they don't like the idea of paying. Right, but they're going to have to eventually. Well, that's what you say, but then what happened to journalism? Well, that's that's a... I mean, what happened to journalism was Google and Facebook. And so we'll see. And what happened to media was Netflix, who doesn't like paying content creators. Well, I mean, people are going to be paid less. There's no question about that. I mean, that, that again, I don't know if you've heard about this. Donald Trump's the president. Wait a second, what? He's not protecting people's like rights oh, to be paid, you know, and earn a living wage. I mean, that must be so difficult for you as someone who has lived in New York your entire life. 33 years I've been here. Never lived in another country. Never, Never lived, lived in another, in another country except for 13 brief years where I was in London. What? What? We should mention at this point that... Uh, we we had a, a guest we really want to have on this episode mm. who does not live in this city. Right. We were trying for almost a year <laughs> to schedule. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and his name was Robert De Niro. His name is Robert De Niro. <laughs> no, our potential guest was a very, very yeah. busy person. Hopefully we'll get him on. We'll have him on for another episode. Uh, we almost have two potential guests on this episode. We're both busy people. But so now we're recording this episode almost at the last possible minute. Yes. Before 100%. we go on vacation. Yeah. And we're loopy. Yeah, we're loopy. It's kind of like the Interstellar episode, another of my favorite of all time movies, when I had a bag and I was going to the train. Yeah, I was sick and hungover the day after. (sighs) You were. The uh, Tick tick premiere, premiere, right? In between filming days on Hot Air, available on digital, August something. Really? 29th, yeah. It's finally getting released. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Hot Air. Yeah. More like hot guy. Can I will something into existence? Pointing at Griffin. Can I will something into existence? Sure. Hot air. My last time ever playing an assistant. Wow. What if like Fincher calls right now and he's like, I'm making this movie. It's called The Assistant. I know. Someone's (laughs) going to fucking call me out on this. Yeah, but you know what I'll say? Go ahead. Then you've proven me wrong in my notion that I will never get work ever again. Right. You'll just be like, oh, yeah, sounds great. I'm going to do it. Either way, I win. That's true. Um, Okay. Okay. Come on. It's been 35 minutes. Jesus Christ. Miami Vice. I mean, that's pretty normal for us. Michael Mann's done two Jamie Foxx movies in a row. That's right. Jamie Foxx has been growing and gaining stature as a dramatic actor. Yeah. He was in Breaking All the Rules. Right. Right. And then he started Breaking All the Rules in Hollywood. He did a stand-up special called Jamie Foxx Straight from the Foxhole. What's his last stand-up special? Jamie Foxx Unleashed, Lost, Stolen, and Leaked in 2003. Wow. And let's not forget the one in the middle there, Jamie Foxx, I Might Need Security. Do you know why he picked the name Jamie Foxx? Because it's a completely made-up name? No. Because he was doing stand-up, and he thought it was better out there for women in stand-up. So he picked a gender-neutral name because he thought he'd get booked more if they thought mistakenly that he was a woman. Yeah, his name is Eric Bishop, yeah. which is a perfectly like good name. And I'll say this. He looks like an Eric Bishop. Yeah. Well, like when you watch him in Miami Vice, you're like, I believe this guy's name's Eric Bishop. Yeah. That kind of goatee, he looks like an Eric Bishop. Sure. You know what else he looks like? What? Jamie Foxx. He does. He does. But at that point, at this I, point, I, I we're had like, no idea. Of is it onomatopoeia? Like, of course that's right. what Jamie Foxx looks like. Yeah, no, no, it does. It's true. What were you going to say? He's getting bigger and bigger, and he says to Michael Mann, hey, here's an idea. At the Ali premiere, I believe. Right. He went up to him and he, like, he's like, he pitched him the opening scene. Yeah. Like, it was like, it wasn't just like, we should do Miami Vice. He was like, Michael, 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 you got to listen to me. And like, yeah. Laid it all out. Right. I don't think he was like, and hire Colin Farrell, but he was like, and I'm Tubbs. Right. 
right? And Michael Mann was like, you're number eight on the call sheet. Go go suck a lemon. You, <laughs> you know? think he was like that? I don't know. Then it comes back around. He gives him the bigger part in collateral. And I think Fox restokes that fire. Right. You know? Yeah. He's like, come on, we should really do this. Mm-hmm. And they go into Universal and they were like, at this point, this is like peak. I love the 80s. Everyone's making fun of 80s culture. Look when how corny it was. When did GTA Vice City come out? Like 2003? Right, like three or four? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so like, everyone's you know, like having their laughs. The aesthetic is in, right? Because now we've come back around to this like Stranger Things. This? Like, when is uh, two thousand six? This yeah. is six. Yeah, uh, a little before Vaporwave, but like getting there. Yeah, <laughs> right. But they're filming this movie in 05. I'm saying now we're going through the '80s revival, the Stranger Things thing, where people have like nostalgia. Sure, like they love it. Remember how good the '80s made you feel. Sure. And back then, in two thousand like five, everyone was just like. The colors were dumb. <laughs> People wore pink shirts? Right. Question mark. Right. So they were like, here's the pitch. What if no pastels? Right. You do Miami Vice. You said it now. Right. And it's actually about a Vice squad. Like, it's not right. MTV Cops. It's about, right. like, the, the risk of these guys yeah. going it's, undercover. It's like a slightly glamorized, certainly blockbusterized version of what, like, being an undercover vice agent is. And everyone's, like, fucking slam dunk premise. Here's the guy who created the show, coming back to it 20 years later. It defined a generation. He's going to update it for a new generation. Jamie Foxx and Colin Farrell seemed like the perfect choices. Oh, yeah. He's coming off of his first $100 million grocer. Swat? I'm saying Michael Mann. Is coming off his first $100 million grocer. Uh, yeah, but so is Jamie Foxx. I mean, Colin Farrell. That's why. His father was a grocer. Yeah, his father was more of probably like a, a $50,000 grocer. <laughs> right. Yeah. More of a lettuce grocer. <laughs> yeah. um, everyone's like, this is so straight down the middle. Mm-hmm. Does Michael Mann do what you did for Collateral, but but in Miami Vice? Right. With these actors. 100%. And instead, it's like his Fitzcarraldo, where yeah. he's like, we're going to film Inside a Hurricane. <laughs> you're right yeah yeah they he would like have his location managers say like what are the most dangerous neighborhoods where would you say we shouldn't film it's his Fitzcarraldo and Jamie Foxx's Klaus Kinski right yeah because Jamie Foxx wills the movie into existence essentially right and then is like fuck this and at a certain point Jamie Foxx walks off the movie yeah that's why Jamie Foxx is not in a lot of it really he had to keep rewriting it like I think there was always the plan you know, for the Tom whole gang is the secondary character. But this is the thing. They, uh, right after Collateral, set up the movie, right? They get Colin Farrell attached. Yes. Colin Farrell is going to get like, uh, you know. I think like $15 million. $15 million. Like Jamie yeah. Foxx is going to get like $8 million. Yes, Colin Farrell is going to be top billed. Yeah. And then over the course of the next like nine months, as pre-production, development, yeah. Leads to actual, you know, the the active pre-production. Uh, Jamie Foxx has won an Oscar. Yep. Has, uh, has had two huge hits in a row. Ray released an Ray album Carter. at this point. Of course. Right. Uh, you know, More than one album, I think. Yes, but featured on kind of, is like the guy now. Yeah. And he demanded after the contract, months after the contracts had been settled, I need to be first billed and I need to make more money than Colin Farrell. Right. And Colin Farrell was like, fine, I'll take less money. Yeah, I think Colin Farrell was very much like, huh? Like, right. Okay. Because he was so strung out, one. Right. And two, it's like, yeah, I mean, Michael Mann seems cool. I think Colin Farrell right. was in, like, Colin Farrell's coming off of a Malick movie. Right. You know, and like, 
He had done SWAT. He'd done that block where it's like Daredevil, SWAT, the yeah. recruit, where it was just like, Heart plug him war. in, plug him in. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's hot. He's hot. Yeah. And then he kind of like, he's been slowing down a little bit. He did the New World. He did, you know, the so Malik movie, which he's in. phenomenal in. Yeah. And so I think he's getting to be in the phase we now know him as, where he's like, I kind of just want to work with directors who are like legendary or interesting. Well, and this is sort of his last time trying to carry a conventional blockbuster for like five years. Right. Like, cause he goes from this in back into like uh, in Bruges. I think that he doesn't make anything between this and in Bruges, right? Like, let's right. see. That's what I'm saying. No, I know. Uh, well, no, he makes Ask the Dusk also comes out this year, which is the Robert Town movie. That that's had been shot a while earlier. It was an old one. Yeah. 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 He makes Cassandra's Dream with Woody Allen, right. Ewan McGregor. Yeah. Which is a fascinating movie. And like his lowest grossing film at the last 20 Certainly. years or something. It was like, yeah. it was like a Kenish Town yeah. Brothers thriller. Yeah. I mean, God. Whatever. It was set in like the neighborhood I grew up in, okay. in England. What? Uh, and then in 2008, he has Pride and Glory, which is like a pretty down the middle, like yeah. decent cop drama by Gavin O'Connor. Yeah. That's like fine. Agreed. And in Bruges, which is people being like, oh yeah, this guy was like a lightning in a bottle talent. We right. kind of forgot about him. And that's, he wins the Golden Globe yes. and he gives a speech where he's like, I he's, thought I was out. I'm glad so, people gave me a second you chance. You can tell how overwhelmed he is. Like he's yeah. so genuinely like, oh my God. Yeah. Right. And like for a little weird movie. And this like, is sober Colin Farrell who seemingly is like, I don't want to star in $100 million movies anymore. And also, you know, around that time is when he, he has the kid who has like a developmental disability, right. which he's also talked about like sort of helped set, sort of priorities set shit the, up for yeah, him. Right, right. Exactly. He had responsibility yeah, in his yeah, life for the first time. And then after that is when, right, he makes like Dean triage, crazy heart, Dr. Right. Parnassus, where he's just like, if you got a role for me, I'd love to be on I'll set with you. I got no you know? ego. But he always seems like a guy who never had an ego. The fact that, like, Jamie Foxx was like, I need to make more money than Colin Farrell. And instead of Colin Farrell being like, fuck you. Right. And forcing them to pay Jamie Foxx more money. Yeah. He was like, just take it out of take my salary out of my and end. give it over to him. Right. And like, make him first build, even though that character's always been secondary. And in, in the movie. Right. And then like, Jamie Foxx was like, I'm not going to shoot all this shit. Well, the, was apparently one of these like, the thing I'm only was, doing two takes. Like, I'm like, done for the day. There's that vibe. Although, I still think that Jamie Foxx is great in this I movie. I think he's very good he's in this so, movie. I also think Jamie Foxx is just like such an effortlessly charming actor. Yeah. like He's very compelling. Exactly. Yeah. And like, you know, they did horrible bosses together. I have no idea if they interacted in that movie, which is sort of funny. I think, think they don't. They, I don't think they do, right? Because that movie's so vignette Yeah. But like, Ben, look at this poster. Here's the original poster. Colin Farrell, Academy Award not winner, Jamie Foxx. And then they swap it. Then they swap it. Uh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. It's a great poster. That just rarely happens, though, that they swap billing. But, but I mean, no, like, I mean, I, I'm just more. It's like, it's are like, you happy now? Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. I mean, because already the poster is. I feel like the original poster, the way they're designing, is like, yeah, Colin has first billing, but right. your face is foreground. Right. Right. So, right. like, didn't we just split the difference? Like, right. who cares? Yeah. Um, but I do. I love this poster. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, that's when I was like, this movie's going to be huge. And then I remember the trailer was only available on like the trailer rocked. It's right. well, it sits in Encore. Yes. Yes. But I I feel like I remember like waiting for the trailer to come out and it only being visible. No law. David showing me the poster that says no law. And his fingers pointing up like he's getting an erection. Thumbs up. David's pointing at himself. 
And he's making the finger like he's getting an erection. He wants me to know that he gets an erection when he looks at Colin Farrell's solo character poster for the 2000. David's like throwing his hands it's up. It's like, like I'm, I'm in a soundproof booth. Like I'm laying down a hit. No order is the Gong Lee poster. And he's pointing at it. He's giving a thumbs up. And now he's making it rain. David is miming that he is making it rain. <laughs> okay, now he's turned it around again. And this time we have a poster that says no order. And is, the, is that John Ortiz? This is the John Ortiz character poster. And David is miming like the sun is rising. Like it's sort of always like an it's like an atom bomb explosion. It's like a mushroom cloud off of John Ortiz's character poster. One forgets that John Ortiz got a character I poster. I fully forgot that John Ortiz had a character poster. I assume there's another character poster For, uh, coming. No, that's it. That's Jamie Foxx didn't have a character poster? Oh, no, he did. I'm sorry. He I, didn't I, show I, me I that. Please one. complete the bit. Okay, so this one says no rules, and it's Jamie Foxx, and David is turning his laptop back around. He's not doing any bits this time. He <laughs> held up his hands like, what are you going to do? It's fine. I mean, I wish, like, you know, Dominic... Lo I wish Eddie Marson had got one. I wish Barry Shabaka Henley had one. No accent, coach. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my girlfriend, Tisto 14, we were watching this movie together. Oh, great. And when Barry Shabaka well, Henley... congratulations on the greatest date of all time. Uh, it was stressful. Why? I find this to be a very stressful movie to watch, as did she, because it is so hard to follow. Oh, God. I mean, I'm. it helps that I've seen this movie one hundred times, but yeah. uh, sure. Admittedly, this is a dense, obtuse film. Yeah. Someone, I got questions for sure for yeah. you. I'm ready. You want question number one or no? You go. I we'll get to it. We're watching Sounds the like movie. You're one. He come. <sighs> he comes on screen right in like a group dialogue scene. Wait, who, uh, Barry Shabaka Henley, right. right? He's in like the same playing scene the as, Edward like, James Olmos role, right? Which is incredible. Right. Like, right? Yeah. Uh, but but he's in like the scene with like Karen Hines and on the rooftop and like six people are talking and they never introduce him properly. Yeah. And she was like, who's that guy? And I was like, he's like their chief. Right. And she was like, no, I mean, who's that? Who's that actor? Who like, is this guy? Where, where he's incredible to look at. Come from? The most right. incredible face. And I was like, that guy's one of my favorite characters. Don't try actors. to shine me on. He's got one of the best faces of all time. His name is Barry Shavaka Henley. And she went, wait a second. His name is Barry Chewbacca Henley. <laughs> And she thought, like, oh, it must be spelled differently. Yeah. But his name is actually Barry Chewbacca Henley. Right. Which would be cool. Be very cool. It'd be cool if he was like, I'm named after my greatest hero, Chewbacca. Yeah. Well, I mean, it would be his father's hero. Is what? everything good, Ben? Yeah. Okay, good. Just didn't want to lose anything. Uh, all right, Miami Vice. All right, so you found you find this movie stressful. I do. I mean, so we... We're preparing to watch it, and there's, like, the one-sentence description on Netflix. What's the one-sentence description on Netflix? It's, like, uh, uh, two Miami Vice Squad agents have to work with a drug dealer in order to bust up a, a, a deal or whatever. Okay. I'm going to find it. I'm going to, like, find what the— Yeah, yeah. find the one-sentence. Yeah. But we were getting to watch it, and I was like, I have only seen this movie once before. Oh, you've only seen it once. I saw it 15 years ago. Right. I saw it in theaters. I could not make sense of it. I know many people who love it now. Right. In my mind, it plays better than it did when I saw it. Sure. My advice to you is the way I'm going into this movie now, seeing it for a second time, is do not even try to make sense of what's going no. on. You don't have to. It's fine. You just got to vibe on this thing. 
attempting to identify the group behind a recent string of murders. Kind of. Behind murders. It's not a string. Kind of. It's yeah. a shooting. Right. Detectives Tubbs and Crockett. Mm-hmm. Correct. Work undercover. Correct. With a South Florida drug dealer. I mean, with is stretching it, but sure. Yeah. They pretend to work with him, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's more of a Colombian drug dealer, but whatever. It's okay. Um, she kept asking me for clarification. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I think you need to stop attempting to figure out. Okay. Just watch it 10 more times. Well, I guess that's the solution. Right. But I, I was constantly like... uh having such a hard time tracing what everyone was doing in relation to everyone else. I enjoyed it a lot more this time. Mm. I do not love this movie as much as you do. Mm. Um, That'd be hard. Yes. But uh, it it is one of those films. Um, and I'm someone, I will say, I am someone who, like, I think in, like, a control issue way, gets stressed out when I feel like I can't figure out what a movie's doing. Okay. Uh, you won't just sort of like give yourself over to it and be like, I'll figure this out later. I've right? been working on it. Sure, sure, I have sure, been sure. trying to okay. more and more. Right. Let, let me go. just sort of like seed my. Right. Yeah. Right. But like sometimes I need people to tell me that in advance. But even like Inherent Vice, a movie where on the first time I was like, I cannot fucking deal with this movie. Yeah. Which is that's that's I would say even more stressful than. This right. Movie. I was like, this is the most antagonistic movie I've ever seen. Sure. And then I saw. I need to rewatch that one two more times in theaters, and I've watched it probably three more times at home, and I love it. Clearly, but when I went back to it, I was just like, I I'm now gonna go into it knowing that none of this matters, having made it to the ending of the movie and knowing that the thing never makes sense, right? And just trying to vibe on the guy and the world. Yeah. Um, and I tried to do that with this film, and I was certainly more successful than when I saw it in theaters. Okay. But it still stresses me out being like, wait, what am I supposed to know, and what am I not supposed to know at this point? And what's your question, Ben? So they go, I don't remember exactly, because again, it's so hard to kind of like I track even, this movie. Right, yeah. But basically, when he when he first meets the the pig man, mm-hmm. he pulls pig. a grenade, yeah. pulls the pin. Yeah. They have this tense moment. Then they get back to business. Right. What happened to the grenade? Put the pin back in. He put the pin back in. What did that happen? Do you see that I happening? Know the or is that you're presuming no, I presume. that. I see okay. a grenade. Someone off. pulls yeah. a It'd pin. It'd be funny if they were like, uh, uh, he's like, can you take this and just like throw it pretty far away I from you? I needed yeah. that. I needed closure. <laughs> when I see a grenade yeah. and activated, I've got to see I don't understand explosion. what you guys are talking about. That, that's Deathbed rules. I was about. <laughs> no, that's just Michael Mann's homage to Princess Leia. Yeah. Yes. Uh, my girlfriend at that scene said, uh, I should do this every time I have a general meeting. <laughs> Walk in with a hand grenade. We'll close our eyes right now. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to fuck my partner or do you want to do business with him? Yeah. Uh, so the big Jamie Foxx walkout thing was they were filming in all these dangerous neighborhoods. Michael Mann would almost look for the neighborhoods that people told him not to film in. In, in the DO, in the Dominican Republic. Which Areas is where, a lot where of the police shot. don't even go. Sure. And then they would hire the drug gangs to work as security. That for is the not movie. true. That is an exaggeration. They hired, like, a sort of like a paramilitary, sort of like somewhat government affiliated group. Okay. To do security, shady. And then what happened was, and uh, Colin Farrell uh, was on Bill Simmons's podcast in in a pretty lovely conversation because he's a lovely guy, mm-hmm. and you can tell that Simmons, like me, likes Miami Vice, and is like, oh, let's talk about it. And Colin Farrell's like. I, I'm not trying to be rude. I honestly don't remember a lot of that movie. Like, yeah. I just honestly don't. Yeah. But he's like, one thing I do remember is 
the day the shooting happened on set, my dad was visiting mm-hmm. and Gong Lee was there and we heard the gunfire and I know what gunfire sounds like. And I just like ushered them. I was like, let's just, you know, and like I ushered them back like into like a sort of a safer place. And we like sat there for hours and hours because what had happened was someone had tried to approach the set. Right. And was like, hey, it's a movie set. You know, and then and rather than like the security guards, like, I don't know, like just grabbing him or pushing him away. They just shot him. Uh, they were like, what the fuck are you doing? And shot him because it was a little more. Uh, I'm trying to find hair trigger situation back then. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's an issue. When the production moved to a relatively upscale area, this is from the Slate article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A local man, I'm going off feral, a police officer, mm-hmm. approached the set, got he, into he a- He was in a plane, like he wasn't in uniform. Right. Yes. Yeah. Got into a quarrel with a guard, right. one supplied by the Dominican military, right. that, and allegedly it. pulled a gun. Yes. The man was shot and wounded. Right. It was very scary, man he acknowledges. He didn't die, just shot and wounded. What if this guy has six brothers- what if they blamed us? All these questions rush into your head. Interesting that that's where man goes, where he's like, I don't want some brother coming after me. Six. <laughs> some gang of brothers. He was worried about six of them. Right. He says care was taken to ensure that the cast and crew would leave the set safely that day. Yeah. But immediately after that incident, Fox and his entourage packed up and left for good. Jamie basically changed the whole movie in right. one stroke, a crew member says, and not in his opinion for the better. The ending that was supposed to be shot in Paraguay would have been much more dramatic. I think there's this ending that's probably like going to be in this dramatic landscape, right? If it's in Paraguay with like these mountains or whatever. They probably had some cool triple frontier shit locked and loaded. And Jamie Foxx was like, I will only shoot if it's in America. That was his And thing. so instead it's like in some warehouses in Miami. He walks off after uh, right. off the set at that point and says, I will only film in the United States right. of America at this point. Uh he made Universal get him a private jet for the movie. Right. Um, uh, asked about Fox's departure, man doesn't speak for a moment and then says, you hear the sound of silence. <laughs> I mean, they never worked together again. Nope. After three films collaborating together. But then earlier in the same article, they're asking man about Jamie Foxx. And he says, uh... Uh, I'm not going to dish dirt about Jamie. He has a unique process of acting, and most people don't understand it. He and I are real close. That allows us to disagree about stuff. Sure. Sure. Okay. So, I mean, I think he likes... I think Michael Mann is in, is a difficult person. Right. I think he's pretty uh, happy to call you an asshole, like, publicly on set or whatever. You know, like, he'll he'll challenge you. They're talking about the thing, though, in this article where, the, like, every night, apparently, Michael Mann would, like, talk for two hours into a recorder, and then someone would transcribe it, and then all the department heads would get the transcription and try to figure out what they needed to do based off of that. And they were like, it included all the ahs and ums in it, right. like, written out. Jesus. Fair enough. And they were saying, like, one of the reasons the movie cost so much money was he would, like, rewrite every day and change his mind, and he'd be like, I want to keep all my options open. Can we book these five locations? And then I'll decide on Tuesday which one we use. And they were saying, like, it is very expensive to shut down a highway to, like, get permits in a foreign country or, like, figure out when you're going to fly the crew from one country to another. And a thing that I found very telling is in this article, Mm. the head of Universal defends him. Right, 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 right. I think it's actually very commendable that he is not that locked in. That he is, I want to find his exact wording here. Um, 
I'll find. It. I can. I can give it to you because I, I have. Right. I have it here. So someone, I, someone who works with them, a crew I, member, says, uh, uh, he was almost like a kid in a candy shop. Right. That kind of indecision becomes a systemic thing. It's hard at the last minute to make deals with vendors, rent a plane, close down a freeway. Michael Mann says, like, you know, you do whatever you get do to get the best out of the, out of the scene. scene. Right. And then Mark Schmuger says he's become an enthusiastic backer of the director's methods. And Schmuger says, I actually marvel at his ability to keep all of his creative options open. He's fearless. He's willing to try everything. That's a process that does involve wear and tear on everybody. And I'm seeing here that Mark Schmucker is, a, oh, not still the head of Universal. Yes. And I here, mean, that job is. Here is another point I want to make. People moving in and out of those jobs. Yes. Just because it needs be brought up again. Okay. Okay. Michael Mann's good and this is a good movie. Correct. <laughs> sure. But here is an unfair systemic thing if we're talking about the systems. Yeah. Uh, Every female director who does that. Of course. It's called a maniac. They don't know what they want. Right, right, right. That was always the fucking Nancy. Every crew person I know who's worked with Nancy Myers says, like, she's a maniac. She doesn't know what she wants. She can't make up her mind. You can't light a sweater. You know, whereas, right, Michael Mann's like, well, we're making a movie here about cops. This is a real thing. Right, right, right. And Michael Mann, he can't make up his mind. And the head of Universal is like, he's actually more creative than the rest of us. I think it's great that he can't make a choice. (laughs) This is all fair. I also think, like, as much as Jamie Foxx has sort of gotten public shit for walking off the set of this movie. Yeah. I might be mad, too, if there was, like, you know gunfire on a set and you feel like the situation's unsafe and like I don't know that Jamie Foxx is like entirely in the wrong for flipping out here are other things I don't I don't know he refused to be on a boat or a plane <laughs> yeah I've heard that which is have you seen my he it's so funny because he's the one who's like yeah. Miami Vice we gotta do it Miami on the water that's the problem is like th- this is a show that's defined by them like constantly traveling <laughs> on or above the water yeah he wanted to make it and then was like, not doing the vehicles. All right, James. Right? Then doesn't want to go to the other countries. Like, you know, some of his concerns were justified. Yeah. But I also think he was at a level of, like, star fuckery right. that he could justify anything he was feeling at any moment. this is why this movie is so special. You have Michael Mann with the studios who are like, I guess do whatever you want because he, like, finally is, like, beginning to generate, like, real profit. And this is also, like you said, this is 10 years after Heat and they're yes. like, do you know how much money we make off Heat every year? And you know, is the same thing. Exactly. So, so they're like, fuck it. Let him do what he wants. And all of that. Right. Jamie Foxx, he's like, I am a god. I will do what I want. Right. Let him do what he wants. Colin Farrell, he's like, I'm too famous. Like, I don't know what's happened to me. I'm not a person anymore. But also, like, by all accounts, Colin Farrell is like the inverse of Jamie Foxx, where he just likes giving himself to a director. Right. And just and like, do like, with me what you want. Exactly. And And all the crew people who speak in this article are like, Colin is so professional. Yeah. He knows all of his lines. He shows up. He's good every take, which is incredible because he was blasted out of his mind drunk. Right. Totally. But they but were Colin's just like, like, what's it, a go fast boat? What does it do? Go fast? Sure. Right. Let's go. And they were like, he'll do anything. And Jamie has a very small list of things he will do. Right. Whereas like, that's why I like, so, like Jorgos Lanthimos, when I interviewed him, he clearly yeah. just loves Colin Farrell because yeah. he can just say to Colin Farrell, we're like, more like a robot, more like right. less, less, like let me control you. Because, you know, these directors who are like, I know exactly what I want you to I do. I think he relishes being a color on someone else's palette. Absolutely. I think he likes being just a utility. But he's so sweet because it's like, he's like, yeah, Miami Vice, I mean, that one's a mess. And, you know, people are saying to him on podcasts, like, no, it's great. And he's yeah. like, I guess so. And then, like, later, True Detective Season 2 comes up, and he's like, no one liked that one. And the guy's like, I don't know. I mean, it's weird, and you're good in it. And he's like, I guess so. You know, he's never going to be like, 
no. you know, like full of himself about these things. No, but all three of these guys, I think, kind of are embarrassed by this movie. Fox yeah. and Farrell and, and Man. Yeah. And uh, it has built this, like, even within, like, a year or two. Yeah. There's a, there's a Steve Hayden quote on the Wikipedia. That's him saying, like, I feel like it has now been accepted within certain circles as one of the best action movies ever made. The plot and the dialogue are incomprehensible. Right. But you just got to feel it. And Harmony Korean is like, that's my whole mood this board is, for I Spring want, Breakers. Yeah, I wanted to bring I this up. I definitely picked up on that. Where he was like, that movie Here, has I'll, the thing. I'm going to read okay, you the quote. Read it. I'll read you the quote. The reason I love man's movies and that movie in particular is that I could feel the place. Mm-hmm. When I watch the film, I don't even pay attention, pay attention to what they're saying or the storyline. I love the colors. I love the texture. Yeah. And that's definitely right. That's like Spring Breakers. That's his vibe. Yes. Yes. Uh, I think Spring Breakers is a superior film. Oh, that's that's too far. But that's, I mean, well, name Spring a Breakers. movie. I'm sitting yeah. right here. Na- name another movie. Name a movie. Name and a movie? And say it's superior to Miami Vice. Um, okay. Uh, I think Toy Story 2 is superior to Miami Vice. Oh, Vibes. that's insane. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah, come, on. Come, come to play. Get the, come to play. <laughs> Uh, Spring Breakers might be on my top ten of the last decade. I mean, next year we're gonna do our blankies for the decade. Okay, right? Midnight Run, Midnight Run. I mean, that's a good movie. Yeah, right. Love Miami Vice though. We gotta be the breast men. The breast? Oh, well, we we gotta do breast and show as a miniseries. No, we gotta uh, do the the Showtime uh, made for TV movie Breast Men <laughs> about the guys who invented breast implants, yeah. starring David Schwimmer and Chris Cooper. I think you're right. Right? Schwimmer and Cooper? Here, I got it. That's a movie I used to Google a lot when I was 13, if you catch my drift. Uh, no. I, well, it's Okay, David's going to the bathroom. We can talk about anything. Oh, true. Okay, what should we do? We're like children know. in a candy shop. I mean, Spring Breakers is definitely better than Miami Vice, right? Yeah. A bunch sure. of people are going to come out at us because people love Miami Vice. Everyone who listens to the podcast loves Miami Vice. But you and I, we're on the same page about this. 100%. Spring Breakers World. It's such a good movie. It's so good. It, it It's going to be like a, de, a, a, a defining movie, I think. Totally. For, I guess, the 2000s, right? Yeah, and I love Harmony less than you do. I like him. I know you. he's like your number one guy. He really is. I think that movie's a masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah. I love Spring Breakers, and I also love, too, that <sighs> That's it, what we talked about while you were in yeah. the bath. I mean, uh, I, I love Spring Breakers, too, and I think he's great in Spring Breakers. I think he, he's either my winner or close that year for supporting actor. I think he would have been I love him in year. Milk. I think he's the heart of that movie. I think that's a phenomenal performance. But to I me, think he's okay. given a lot of great performances. Yeah, he's so good He's also that? fucking weirdo. He's probably a terrible guy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And he that does movie, so much bad work because he's insisted on doing so much. Yeah, right. But that movie, to me, is like, it's like about aging like punk yeah and like how it catches up with you and you can't live like this and yeah like the real consequence that's a great read yeah i mean we should do kareem just for for ben for ben ben's music and i would like to bring us back to he's Miami doing a Vice, circle with his hand and i would like to say that i want a stash house I always thought I always anytime I see a stash house I'm like I want a stash house so stash houses seem like aesthetically cool that could be I mean you could turn your parents house in New Jersey into a stash house you could treat it like yeah I'm just gonna have it empty the location of the infamous yeah the buried (laughs) All right, Uh, wait let's commit to this right now though okay Harmony Corinne and March Madness next year Oh sure, yeah, yeah, right, absolutely. It's gonna be an all weirdos bracket. Remember? I think we're gonna we're not gonna put any canonical favorites in the bracket. Exactly, no winners. Yeah, 
Winners, oh, it's not the losers allowed. bracket. It's so losers. if you go on to hear me fucking lose it over Gummo, yeah, man, you know who to vote for. Wow, sixteen people are excited right now. <laughs> okay, so Miami Vice, we've been talking about it, but now let's. I will literally get into the bring movie. a tub into the studio. Tubs. Okay, and, that, and soak in tomato juice. Oh, interesting. Okay, so I'm gonna remove Harmony Corn from the bracket. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just uh, delete. Where's yeah. the delete button? Here it is. Here we go. Okay. Next no! bracket: Harmony Corn, Lenny Rafenstahl, <laughs> Walt Becker, who didn't hire me, so now I can go back to saying so it's whatever. The, it's the vulgar tourist bracket. Should we do that? Oh, vulgarity. Kind of maybe. I'm gonna say that now, though. Just now that I'm definitively not in the Clifford right, the Big Red like, Dog fuck movie. Walt Becker. I mean, I was still, but I was like, I want to watch this guy work. Right. I was so fucking close to being in that movie. Yep. As Clifford. Not as Clifford. <laughs> Not as Clifford. As the paw. <laughs> <laughs> I would have just been the the physical stand-in for the paw. At Good. this point, the hey. D&D episode's dropped, right? Yeah. So the world's been introduced to your character who has a dog hand. Mm-hmm. Dog punch. <laughs> well, his hand is a paw that turns into a bite. It turns into a bite. <laughs> which you just, Whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> whatever that was. And I was like... Yeah, you you do that. Sure, go ahead. That's fine. You do that. The language of not, it, he's got a dog par that turns into a mouth. Yeah. It turns into a bite. <laughs> it turns from a thing into an action. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's got teeth in there. Yeah, it turns into a bite. Guys. All right, Miami Vice. Miami Vice. Okay. Woo! Cold open's your favorite part. Ah, it's pretty good. Just smash to... Smash to the middle of Numb Encore. Yeah. They're in a club. This album called Collision. Collision Course. Collision Course, right. Uh, the Jay-Z Linkin Park uh, album, right? And right. it's, uh, it's uh, Linkin Park's Numb, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you know... I've become so Um, All that. And then Encore, which is a pretty great uh, Jay-Z song from the Black Album. Encore, do you want more? Yeah. yeah. Um, now, the director's cut removes this? Or is there another scene before it? Is that what happens? Fucking Because you hate the director's cut, right? Sucks. Hate the director's cut. Let me, I have actually a list here. Uh, Yeah, the director's cut opens on like a boat race. Okay. And there's like opening credits over it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that sucks. And then there's like a little more with Neptune, who's played by Isaac de Bancole. Yes. uh, Who's like the sort of the guy they're working when they get interrupted by all this. Right. Uh, so there's some of that. But but you and most fans of this movie love the in media res yeah. drop you in with no fucking time no to assimilate. Explanation. Right. They're in right. this club. They're all kind of moving around. You can barely hear what they're saying. What they're saying is entirely incomprehensible lingo. Yeah, exactly. And uh Jamie Foxx likes at one point kind of like breaks the guy's hand mm-hmm. who's sort of trying to touch him. Mm-hmm. Dom goes to some room with two women. Yeah, Dom Lombardazzi. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 I uh, love Dom. The crew, you know, they don't get a lot to do, but it's a good crew. It's a weird crew. Naomi Harris. Justin Thoreau. Justin Thoreau. Um, what's uh, Dom Lombardazzi, who uh, the wire is maybe just finished or ongoing. The uh-huh. wire is getting close to the end of its run. Okay. Uh, and uh, Elizabeth Rodriguez, who I love. She was in like Fear the Walking Dead. She's been around. Can we? I know we're like orange is the new black. I know we're finally getting into the movie. Can we just sidebar Naomi Harris for one second? Okay, because this is one of those like careers are so long trajectories I find fascinating. Okay, there's like you know she's very new at this point. This is the same year as Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, these are her two big studio films. She gets off of Twenty Eight Days Later. Twenty Eight Days Later, and she'd been in some English miniseries. I'm saying white teeth. She's like an English TV actress, right? Yeah. 
she gets in Danny Boyle's experimental film that then becomes a surprise sort of crossover success. 100%. And that's very much that thing where it's like, oh, Killian Murphy's going to be in Hollywood films now. Naomi Harris right. is going to be in Hollywood films now. Right. They were in the thing that broke out and we're going to put them into things. Right. And she this summer is in two huge movies. Yes. Parts of the Caribbean where she is so fucking good. Sure. In the first one, she's fun. She's in two and three. No, she's in... Yeah, two and three. Sorry. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. It's two and three. Well, she's Calypso. She's the goddess. She's the weird voodoo lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's in the great. Hut. And then Thelma. Yeah, she rules it. She's yeah. so fucking weird in those movies. She is. I agree. She's the best performance in the sequels. No. Who's better? Jeffrey Rush. One of the most phenomenal performances. Just incredible. In three? In three. Just, the, it, just outrageously good. I think she is. She. We're gonna. We gotta do them right now. Stop the podcast. Okay. We're watching them all. It's all getting right. gory in here. <laughs> I want to go get peanuts. Ben's gonna go get peanuts. Okay. Um. All right. But Enjoy then when peanuts, he, man. I mean, and then she kind of like bounces around. I mean, what did you want to say about Naomi Harris? Okay, Ben's gone. What can we talk about only while Ben's oh, gone? Only while Ben's here. Europa. Nothing up with Europa right, right. now. He doesn't care about Europa. Yeah, that's true. Like low key. I think he couldn't pick it up out of a line. If we like put four, four planets on them, yeah, four bodies on the wall, yeah, a hundred percent. You could put body. here's here's how much he doesn't care about Europa. Europa. Could have, we, let's tell him Europa was in Miami Vice. Here's how much you he doesn't. Care. Hey, how's it going? Oh, sure, I'll take a bag of peanuts. Thank you. Um, so it's gonna be four hours long. <laughs> but I feel like she does those, and then it's like, oh, I guess she like didn't really connect as like a blockbuster person. Then she goes back to smaller movies. Then by the time she gets brought into Skyfall, it was yep. kind of like, oh, Naomi Harris? Hey, Naomi Harris. Huh. As Miss Moneypenny. Right. Like, oh, right. Oh, right. Where? Right. No one ever really figured out what to do with her. Right. And then she gets her Oscar nomination. She's terrific. Right. But then she, like, gets it as, like, she's the only bankable name she's in the Moonlight. She's sort of somewhat recognizable person in Moonlight. And they only had Herschel at two days. Guess. Right. She, I think either two or three days. It was, like, an incredibly short amount of time. Yeah. Yes. And it was one of those things where they like, they were like, you have to be at a hundred immediately because we just right. have no time. Right, because that's a demanding and difficult role. Right. She yeah. only, I think that she only had three days because they couldn't work out her visa, so she was only uh, able to be right, there right. for a very short period of okay, time. Sure. And she's the only one who works with all three Chirons. Right. I mean, she's a looming important figure. Like, right. And she has like. She's on, you know, uh, it's crack, right? She's, she's on crack. You know, and, like, she's, you know, bothering her kid. But then there's also, like, the emotional scene with grown-up Chiron yeah. where, like, she's crying with him. And, the, you mean, know, those, like, it's a lot to do. Those three phases are wildly different. Yeah. Yeah. And they're bringing a different act. I mean, anyway, whatever. It's a, I think it's a great performance. I do, too. I feel like that performance gets kind of, like, shaded a little bit because people are like, oh, it's the most, like, actory performance. Like, I, I, one of my biggest regrets on this podcast, in which I regret almost everything I've ever said, is I feel like I kind of shaded her in our blankies that year. Because I picked Janelle over her for supporting actors. But, the but that's, is, they're both great performances. There you go. Yeah. But she's in this movie, um, but like the rest of the supporting cast, including mm -hmm. Barry Shabaka Henley. Yeah. Not you know, much they don't have a ton to do. No. Um, because they are playing characters who are from a TV show mm -hmm. and in TV shows you're going to have 22 episodes and each supporting character might get a couple episodes that they get you to get do a little plots, more. You get B plots, you get C plots. You know, and this is a big movie but it's still a 132 minute movie. Like it's yeah. just not that right. long. Right. And so they are in it mm -hmm. and you're kind of like, holy shit, Justin Theroux. But Jane Fox and Naomi Harris are dating and they're in love. Hell yeah. They like to cuddle in the shower. Hell, hell yeah. Uh, 
it's amazing uh, how much more this scene shows off Jamie Foxx's body than Naomi Harris's body. I love it. Which I'm sure was a Jamie Foxx demand. Because yeah. he got into like movie star shape for Jamie this Jamie Foxx looks incredible in this movie. He looks insane. Jamie Foxx is someone where I could probably like, I don't know, like dress him in like shit rags and yeah. he would just look, for, I'd be like, God, these shit rags are vibing right now. He, I'm not saying this is a positive nor a negative. I'm just stating it as an empirical fact. He's got the single tightest ass I've ever seen <laughs> in this movie. Ass. Wait, Pacino? Is he in this new studio? He's got a tight ass! <laughs> Go back to sleep. Let me sleep. Um, you, no. you could make diamonds in that thing, though. Yeah, 100%. Shane Fox's butt crack in this movie? I call it the diamond pipeline. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Everyone needs a break after that one. Yeah, okay. All right, no, no. We're in the club. <laughs> that cl- the club scene's incredible. Mm-hmm. God knows what's going on. Yeah, no, no encore. No one knows. Fucking incredible. And at this point in the movie also, God literally comes down from the clouds. He's like, for the record, I don't know what's going on. Uh, man was on the, off the reservation. Before you here. say God knows what's <laughs> going on, I want to make it very clear. I cannot follow this movie. Then uh, Crockett gets a concerning call mm-hmm. from a CI right. played by John Hawks playing a character called Alonzo. Mm-hmm. And when you hear the name Alonzo, you think John Hawks. Hawks. <laughs> um, there's this in incredible mm-hmm. sequence where they are on the rooftop him and Tubbs yes and um they're like screaming on the phone about how like you know this is the situation this is the hand that we have been dealt like at 9:57 like you know what I mean 9:57 p.m. Yes. the whole that all thing the like thunders rumbling behind them all that shit um i'm trying to find the exact quote but this is the the big moment that Manola Dargas talks about in her best of 2006 here i found it um, but like that, that shot, oh, I forgot that, uh, no, new world's 2005. Um, I was going to say that Conferral had these two things back to back, but it was technically 2005, but not really released until 2006. Okay. Miami vice, um, Cloris entertainment, Miami vice is a glorious, gorgeous, shimmering object. It made me think more about how new technologies are irrevocably changing our sense of what movies look like than any other film, more than any other film I've seen this year. Right. Partly shot using a Viper film stream camera, the film shows us a world that seems to stretch on forever. Hell yeah. Without the standard sense of graphical perspective. This is the magic of digital, obviously, is that everything's And then this is her line, which has just rattled in my brain for years. Because I had seen this movie, I went, it's okay. She's like five billion times the writer I will ever be. It's just She's so good. She's very cool, too. She doesn't get enough credit. Like, she gets... People acknowledge her as one of the best film writers, and she still doesn't get enough credit. Doesn't get enough credit. Uh, she should have won the Pulitzer by now. She says, nominated a lot. When Crockett and Tubbs stand on a Miami roof, it's as if the world were visible in its entirety, as if all our familiar time and space coordinates have dropped away because they have. I have never forgotten that line. That's a fin- I'm so glad you pulled that up. And That's not phenomenal. rewatching that movie, I always think about that line going like, I don't give that movie enough credit. Like, that is a great way of describing a, a series of shots that when I saw them in theater, I found disorienting. Yeah, no, when I saw this movies in theater, all right, so we both saw it in theaters. You yeah. didn't talk about this. I didn't hate it, but I was like, what was that? I didn't hate it either. I was just kind of confounded. I was like, I don't really know what to make of it. But, that. like, people hated this movie. It was not well-received. Yeah. Anytime I load it up on iTunes, I see that fucking rotten Oh, rotten sticker because you know how they have like the a RT rotten tomato green splat rotten tomato um, but certainly the look of this movie Ben you might have noticed too the digital 
graininess is mm. so high. I was talking to JD, a uh, past and future guest, a friend of the yeah. show, King Among Men, mm-hmm. about it. And he was like, it's kind of like, like what they were doing shooting on these digital cameras yeah. that are so new. It's kind of like Lucas with Attack of the Clowns. It, w- that, but also he was like, it's kind of like Ang Lee with uh, Billy, Billy Lynn. Lynn where yes. you're, it's like you're trying something that just has just arrived. Yeah. And like the technology is not really ready yet. Speed racer. I love the aesthetic though. I mean, and that's yeah. obviously yeah, I'm it biased. It's, it's nothing looks well. like it. But it, it 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 has aged well. Right. And it's almost like a thing where it's like like lo fi yeah. in this like it's unique yes. way right. that you can't really get anymore. Here's what Because he it's like it's one of those things where it's like that period of time with like digital photography where it was just like we're saying, like just sort of on the the precipice of like getting to where we are now. But there was such a narrow window of what was considered cinematic. Sure. In terms of it needing to have a filmic quality. Right. That at this time, everyone was like, this looks so fucking cheap. Yeah, it looks janky. No one could get this over it. This movie cost like, $150 million. Like, what Where are you did talking it go? Right. Yeah. Uh, here's, so I'm just going to quote JD. Yeah. Uh, that was back when digital sensors had a lot of issues, so they would crank the grain. Right. And, uh, Ben, you're drooling. I thought there was something up. Some uh, of the loudest drooling I've ever heard. And they did it sort of like you would do when you changed ISO to a faster stock. This is when he's yeah, absolutely right. fucking losing me. Um, but like he's basically like, it's like the Billy Lynn thing where they're keeping the aperture wide open, but they mm-hmm. won't overlight it. So right. it kind of just looks, the the old chips were so bad with color. The color temperature's no, mixed. But, it doesn't look great. That thing where people might look black in one instant. Right. And then they sort of body moves or the camera moves a little bit. And suddenly like the whole color of them changes right but like his thing is i would rather like as jd said like crank it own the graininess and not have to put artificial lights in there right and allow it to be as dark as it could be and also have that infinite depth of field where like in some of those rooftop scenes as manuel darga said it goes on forever like you can just see like everything in focus and you're like that must be a hundred blocks away and miami is such a dramatic looking city too which is cool yes so anyway they go, they get in their car, they're driving in that Ferrari that like shoots blue flames out of its ass. Which this is another thing that you can tell he's getting off on. There are so many shot setups where it's like him getting off on, I'm going to place the camera somewhere where I could never place the camera Yes, because the cameras because are so smaller. small and durable. Yeah. Right. Especially in like the car stuff or yes. the boat stuff where it's like, it just looks like they taped the camera to the side of the boat. Right. And he's getting what now we're used to as like sort of GoPro angles. Right. But back then, you're like, that's not how you shoot someone in a vehicle. But it looks so cool. Yes. And they seem so real, is the, I guess the best yeah. way to describe it. Just like the shots of them are just driving. Right. Like, where they're not talking to each other. There's no exposition. Right. We're just seeing them, like, go really fast. Yes. Go fast. Go fast cars. Go fast sometimes boats. like a home movie. David's like slowly the- getting an erection with his finger. And now he's too... <laughs> Go on, Ben. Sorry. Uh, I've heard of one direction, but two erections? <laughs> I forgot now. Okay, okay sorry. Cool. I had to make uh, they're up, And so, and we have the scene with Alonzo mm-hmm. that is just so scary. Where, mm-hmm. You know, where he's saying. Like, oh, you know, I remember now. Um, uh, they took my lady and that's how they, you know, I dobbed them in. I, I like, yeah. I had to flip. And, Jamie Foxx says, and, you don't have to go home. Jamie Foxx is really good in that scene. Correct. Yeah. All the handheld stuff. 
you know. Reminds yeah. me of like home movies, like VHS. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, that's what people complain about. That's why though. people are like, like why does like... this look like America's Funniest Home Video? Exactly. That's what people hated about the the whole well, digital look. People are wrong. Yeah. But that's also like, I mean, like frame rate shit. Like we're just used to like a movie has this sort of speed to it. And if something is at the speed of video, I'm used to thinking this looks like my barbecue. Right. Like this looks like my family reunion. This looks like that video of my dad getting hit in the nuts. Sounds good. Yeah. I uh, love all those videos. Yeah. Come on, but him, st- Hawk, stepping in front of the truck. Okay, that was the moment where my that girlfriend cut- went like, wait, what the fuck did I just see? And that cut of the truck slowing down and you see just like a, a second of like blood underneath the right. wheels. Yeah. That's when she like lost. And she was like, did, was that a streak of blood under right. the truck? Right. And this thing that he gets at because he's like not going at 24 frames per second right. is uh, how banal these really intense, gruesome, violent things would look look or life. feel right. in real life versus how stylized Michael Mann, chief of, uh, of all, right. uh, used to make them look. Right. Um, because, uh, yeah, like all the stuff where they're like in the car and the car starts getting shot up. Right. And the way the like. Uh, they're the, like limbs and shit go like flying. But also like the stuffing from the chairs. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah. just sort of goes like. Pff, you know, like it's it's all it's not slow motion like the fucking leather bursting open. No, no, totally right. It's just like things are random and chaotic. Mm-hmm. This is all good. I love this. Yeah, you're totally I like all, right. This you're is totally the stuff right. I'm really into. Oh, yeah. this is the stuff you're really into. What about the other 125 minutes? I'm not. I'm saying that element that running did, yeah, no, I did another erection. For um. Your- all right. So <laughs> the mission is revealed, and there's this whole showdown with Fujima, who's a new character played by. Kieran Hins. I love how everyone in this movie yeah. like has a name that does not correspond to their ethnicity at all. Correct. Why is he called Fujima? No idea. <laughs> Why is Don Hawks called Alonzo? No idea. <laughs> um, wh- wh- but explain the mission to me. This is the kind of stuff where I'm just like, I okay. never get my head around exactly what anyone's trying to do in this. Okay, movie. so the feds got shot by these whites, an Aryan, you know, enforcer gang, right? Uh huh. Right, we see that they you know, come back at the end. Yeah, they they are always in league with the cartel. Okay, you know they're like an Amer- They are American drug dealers. Yeah, who are like, you know, as Fox says, like the Aryan Brotherhood is usually just like tweakers and meth labs. Like, why are these guys so serious? Like, these are guys with like big guns. Yeah, and and also let's just say, what a simpler time. I oh, mean, sure. now a white supremacist can be anything or anybody. President. Yeah. Dream, dream big. Yeah. Back then, yeah, you had to be a heavy and you know work with the Colombian cartel. You're not even number one, right? And now white supremacists are like, I don't like the way this movie is making us look hateful. <laughs> you think if Miami Vice came out now, yeah, it, like the fascists would be mad yeah. about it. I want a movie about the white supremacists next door. <laughs> okay, white supremacists can work at a. I'm trying to explain the movie ad agency. So the F, the feds got shot, as yeah. we see uh-huh. stuffing. You were talking about stuffing. So uh, Fujima, mm-hmm. here in Hens, is saying to these guys, like, yeah, we had this whole operation, uh, and clearly, like, there's a mole or something, because, like, they knew how to how to root it out, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And Farrell and, I mean, Tubbs and Ricard, uh, Crockett and Tubbs mm-hmm. are kind of going, like, you know, you guys are assholes, your OPSEC is blown. Like, they seem, like, completely dismissive of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so the new mission is... They, as Miami cops, were not involved in the whole sort of federal chain of command. Sure. Right? They're city cops. Yeah. 
So they will infiltrate this cartel. They're going to go deep. Jose Yero. Mm-hmm. And they're going to claim to do transportation for him, which is like the one thing he outsources. Mm-hmm. And through him, they will find out what the deal is with the white supremacists who murdered these cops, mm-hmm. these vets. Yeah. So there you go. And that's what they do. <laughs> now, does- And then when they do it, they do such a good job that they get hooked up to the king of it all, the, the you know, the uh, Angel yeah. de Jesus. Yeah. But the grenade. One, yeah, okay. Do they throw it? Does he? I. You can't put a pin back in. I'm sorry. You can sh- put a pin back. The in. The rest of the boot, you can. Yes. I've seen uh, the rules of grenades in my world. You pull the pin, you gotta throw it. You're thinking of the old sort of like gra- that looks like a big grape, bunch yeah. of grapes. Yeah. You know, and it has like a pin like that. But mm-hmm. like now they have the clip that you hold down, and the pin's what's holding it down. I had no idea they right. had updated grenade technology. This feels like a good time to mention that. Uh, uh, Blank Check Press, our publishing imprint, of course, one of the first books will be uh, uh, The Rules of Grenades in Ben's World. <laughs> Do you have more questions? Yeah. Does John Ortiz know that they're cops the whole movie? No, he just thinks they are. He's but, the only one who's like, I smell a rat with these that guys. That thing at the beginning where he's like looking them up on the computer mm-hmm. and he like looks at their profiles. Yeah. Those are their fake profiles. It's the fake profiles that they made for them. Okay. Yeah. But so he's very suspicious, but he he's does, just he yeah. does not have proof that he doesn't have proof because I the whole movie thought that he knew for a fact. No, because then he would just kill them. That's why I was confused the whole movie. No, he he he's the only one who's like, I don't like the smell of these guys. Mm-hmm. And everyone else, they successfully sort of fool everyone else into saying thinking like he's just jealous because these guys are so good. Right. You know what I mean? They're cool. Right. These guys are getting like 10, 15 million dollars per movie. <laughs> John Ortiz, what are you getting? Like 250? Yeah, how much do you think Ortiz got for this? Fourth build. Yeah. No, he might be fifth build. For a movie this expensive, I imagine he got a lot. Like, yeah. especially in overtime. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Per diem in per the diem. Dominican Republic. Yeah. Um, this is a movie where the people's per diem was just uh, bricks of Coke. <laughs> and Michael Mann said, I don't know, you flip it or something. <laughs> That was the thing where he made uh, Colin Farrell, Jamie Foxx didn't agree to do this, right. but Colin Farrell, Farrell go on a bunch of uh, drug bus with him. Yeah. And then it turned out that the bus were staged by Michael Mann. Right. That he tricked Colin Farrell into thinking he was on real drug bus. But yeah. instead it was some elaborate the game scenario. Yeah, that's insane. I, I don't think, because you can like, obviously they'll train you in weapons. Right. Do, but I don't think you're allowed to just go on a drug bus. I feel I mean, like those are like you know there's yeah. those are some real situations. Yeah, then they're just gonna be like, yeah, come watch how it's done. Has anyone made that movie? What movie? The movie where it's like, oh, an actor is training to play a cop in a movie, so he goes on patrol with someone and that gets caught oh, up in a bigger crime. That's a fuck. That's like right, like sort of a man who knew too little. That's a great conflict. Right? That's yeah. a good idea. That would be a Griffin Newman vehicle if uh, I had a career and if comedies were still being made. <sighs> Miami Vice. Yes. So, what happens when you need to pretend to be high-level drug transporters who do work for major cartels? Got to go deep. Got to take it to the limit one last time. Exactly. You got to go see Eddie Marsan. That's mm-hmm. right. <laughs> I think this is the first time I saw Eddie Marsan in a movie. 
So you hadn't seen like the Mike Lee movies that, you know, he's getting plucked out of. I don't think so. Because I remember, I mean, I remember when he started showing up a lot. He did have his moment. In Hollywood films after this, uh, being like, oh, that's that Miami Vice guy who's got uh, the weirdest face I've ever seen. Incredible face. And what a fucking accent choice in this movie. In this movie, insane. Because this guy shows it's up. It's the same thing as the, the everyone having weird names. It's like, right. Michael Mann's like, you're Southern. Right. What, he is? That's the thing. This guy shows up and you immediately go, well, he's British. Right. Before he <laughs> yeah. speaks a word. You're yes. like, this is the most British he's, looking man. He's like Uncle Sam, yes. for, but for Britain. You know what I mean? Like you could just put him on a poster and everyone's like, oh yes, he represents the country of Britain. He looks like the human who hangs out with like uh, uh, Mr. Toad. Right. In Toad Hall. Like he could be part of the Wind in the Willows landscape <laughs> sure. as as like, oh, it's Badger, Mr. Toad, and a four inch tall Eddie Marsden. And then he shows up and he's like, well, I do swear that I... Yep, he's like... Oh god! But that whole scene is so good because, for one, you have this sort of like everyone is artfully yeah. like blocked and arranged in his like yeah. completely empty apartment for for peak intimidation for peak intimidation of this weasel yeah who's like this like, like Kentucky I don't want to deal with weasel. this yeah. yeah come on baby that's yeah. what I love that he got that come on out. baby halfway through the conversation Crockett just looks out the window at the ocean for uh-huh. what feels like an hour an hour uh, it's rules which yeah. is I guess him just sort of thinking about go fast boats or death. Yeah, I don't know those sorts of things, Anything. right? Yeah. Uh, Colin Farrell plays that phenomenally, uh-huh. but then meanwhile, you also have where he's like, "What did I do to deserve this?" And they're like, "You live a life of crime, right?" That's <laughs> which I just love. A beautiful, life. <laughs> right? Yeah, like you, know, you get to live in this fabulous house for because you're a criminal. Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> you traffic in criminal activity. What do you do to deserve this? <sighs> um, so he hooks them up with Jose Hierro. Mm-hmm. And they go, you know, they create the fake profiles. You've got the incredible shower scene that is literally scored with like porn fucking Pornhub track. Yeah. I mean, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. It sounds like that moment where it's like when the porn kicks off, you know, there's been two seconds of dialogue and yeah. then it's like, well, let's get you out of those overalls. Right? Well, for you, this is porn. Right. And then for me, this movie is porn. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, the porn music is. Dun, dun, dun. Like that kind of music. It's in Miami Vice. It's in Miami Vice music. We talked about this in our Black Hat episode coming up. But I, in my memory, invented a scene for Viola Davis that does not exist. Sure. I remembered, and I think I talk about this you talk, in another episode. You talked episode. about it. Yeah. I remember, remembered in this movie a completely different ending. Right. Which we will get to. Yeah, but you, you imagined an ending that spoke to the fact that Jamie Foxx wasn't in the movie, I think. Right. What I remember that okay. the ending was that Naomi Harris died. No. And the movie ended with him in the shower by himself as that same music track plays. Oh, sure. Like you saw Colin Farrell <laughs> saying goodbye to Gong Lee on the boat. The porn music? <laughs> no, no. The music that is in the end. It would be pretty good, though, if he was like. It's a Mogwai song. Right. Yeah. I remember the Mogwai song playing over. Dun, oh, dun, dun, look dun. at the juxtaposition. Now it's Jamie Foxx alone in the shower and right. she's dead. Right. Which, and in fact, slowly the opposite he thing happened. Jesus, Louises. You are, you just did it again with the finger. Got ourselves a little horn dog. Yeah, what are we talking about Saucy David over here? Miami Vice. Dirty David, 2019. Dirty Dave. Dirty Dave. Spitting blue fire out of my ass. Spitting blue fire. 
Get on a GoFast boat, drinking mojitos. Yeah, someone's getting ready for his... Uh... Someone on the Reddit said mojitos were bad? Well, I called the police, of course. <laughs> did, you, did you read that shit? You swatted them? Yes. Fucking hell. Don't our, swat people. Our world is so <laughs> It's bad. so weird. You know about <sighs> swatting, No, right let's back? not talk about swatting. No. It's just watching the Colin Farrell movie Swat. That's what it is. Oh, okay. Okay, here's my new version of swatting. You find someone online whose opinions you disagree with. You hack their accounts. You find out their personal information address. And then you call and send them an edible arrangement saying, hey, part of the thing I love about humanity is that we all have our different viewpoints. Great. I may not agree with you. So let's, instead of swatting, let's start sending people flowers. Great. Edible. edible flowers. Yeah. I don't it's know. a really I, mellow. I cut it out or keep it in doubling it. Your choice. Okay. Mammy Vice. Mammy Vice. I can't remember. Oh, the shower scene. Love that shower scene. Yeah. And then the subsequent sex scene where he pretends to come fast and then keeps going. I did not even pick up on that. Oh, come on. It's so funny. I have seen this movie one million. Yeah, clearly. Um, so we get the idea. Tubbs, happy life. Uh, happy wife, happy life. Have, he has sort of like a work-life balance. Obviously, right. he's dating one of his coworkers, so that helps. But uh-huh. like, Tubbs is kind of like sorted. Mm-hmm. And I believe this is similar to the vibe of the TV show, whereas Ricard, I mean, um, Crockett is like... A player. Uh, yeah, and like unpredictable. Looks like he does coke. You, you got that vibe from yeah, him? Yeah. He does the drug cocaine? <laughs> I was picking <laughs> oh, that interesting. up. Yeah. Was it the linen shirts? I think it was when he dusted was the it? cocaine <laughs> off of his shirt. <laughs> was it the uh, one metric ton of hair on his head? Yeah, slick back. <laughs> like if, It looks like if you put your he- your hand into his hair, like you'd have to call the fire department to get like the jaws of life. Because <laughs> they'd be like, he hasn't washed this in years. Like, <laughs> like to open it up. It is a thing I like that, like, Don Johnson in Miami Vice, the TV show, looks like how people... He looks like cocaine. Well, no, what I was going to say is Don Johnson looks like what people imagine they look like when they're on That's cocaine. absolutely right. We're and like, Colin God, Farrell, I'm so cool. Right, Colin Farrell <laughs> looks like what someone looks like when you're like, fuck, how much cocaine is that guy on? <laughs> like, when you see a guy out. If Colin Farrell wasn't such a sweetheart who had figured his life out, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's almost like Michael Mann five years ago had called him and been like, yeah, I'm thinking you casting you in Miami Vice like five years from now. So do so much cocaine to get ready for that. I don't need you to do three months. I need five years. Yeah, five of years. Use. Date Britney Spears for a little bit. <laughs> right. Have sex with uh, anyone who asks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty hot. A lot of people might ask. That's fine. Yeah. See, That's I don't fine. know anything about any of his exploits, and we don't have to get into have it. You, but have you ever heard of interest. a woman from who was famous from the years 2000 or 2006? Uh-huh. Colin Farrell's head sex. Oh, probably. And like it broke their heart. <laughs> yes, oh, yes. God, That's the other really? thing. Because the other thing is, even when he was a wild man, he did have this kind of reputation as like, that guy's a mensch. That guy's fun. He's, he's like Irish. A romantic. He's, he's such the, a romantic. The, the soul of a poet. He's got the accent. He's obviously talented. You know, wish he'd slow down maybe. The accent you know. too, I mean. But it would just be like a never-ending chain. <laughs> it's fucking incredible. It'd be like a never-ending chain of Us Weekly being like, all of Rosario Dawson's friends warned her not to fall for Colin right, Farrell. Right, right, right. Now, six months after the production of Alexander, she's a mess. Right, because like everyone was like, just like the reputation preceded him. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. You know, like that, that's what, that's what you'd be like. Yeah, you know. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thanks for, very much. Thank though. you. For, thank you very much for oh, the sex. <laughs> 
Um, um, what's the thing I was going to say? Don't know. Oh, uh, the peak of Colin Farrell is uh, him uh, making his own sex tape uh, during production of uh, Daredevil, where he looks like Bullseye. He looks like Bullseye. <laughs> it's it's wild stuff. He's bald AF. Yeah, yeah wild stuff there. Wild and it got stuff. it got put out. Sure. It was it was released wide. <laughs> yeah, right. Twenty six hundred screen. He was so popular. <laughs> that had a pretty good per screen average. Focus bought it. He's got a pretty per- good per screen average. Yeah. If you know what I'm talking about. That was the other big thing. Was he? Uh, David did the finger again. <laughs> That was another big Colin Farrell thing when there was like, everyone was like, too much of this guy. Get him yeah, out of totally. here. And they were like, okay, okay, okay. But there is a sex tape. <laughs> right. But uh, uh, Home at the End of the World, a movie I think he's very, very good he's in. good in that movie. Not an amazing movie, but no. like an interesting. Uh, an interesting movie that he's excellent. It went nowhere. In. Right. Yeah. Uh, he had a full frontal nude scene in right. the movie, they Ben. took it out. And they took it out because, quote unquote, it was too distracting. Yeah. People couldn't get over. His that was what they said in the movie, was that it was like an innocuous nude scene, but that people were not Look able to that. focus on the next 30 I, minutes of the I film. I always thought that was Legend like, building. That was some yes. bullshit, right? Yeah. Not for, even from him, just people trying to like, the producers trying to gin up some interest in a home at the end of the world, which right. I think made four cents. Yes. You know, but you know. Yeah. Uh, Colin Farrell. Big dick. Sure, probably. Oh. Cool. I think he's like, oh, it's fine. Thanks yeah. very much. <laughs> Dear Lord, thank you for the pain you've bestowed me with. Whoa. Thanks very much. What? Oh, yeah. Ben found the sex tape. Yeah. Yeah. He looks like a bullseye from Daredevil. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is, you know, yeah. This is embarrassing. Do you have a sex tape out there, Ben? No. Okay, good. Jesus. He just gave me a look where I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) Is this going to have to be a Patreon episode? (laughs) (laughs) Let's watch uh, Ben's sex tape. I just think it's funny that his sex tape is from the least aesthetically pleasing look he ever had for right. a movie. 100%. Including Horrible Bosses. Including horrible, I was about to say, not Horrible Bosses. Yeah, including Horrible Bosses, including The Lobster. He's never looked worse. I want a movie where Colin Farrell and, and uh, God, what's uh, Russell Crowe? Crow? Yeah, where they just are drunk. And they just like well, cause no, havoc. Colin's very sober now. That's true. He is sober. Now. Well, it'll be a movie. We stand he can play a drunk. Yeah, I mean, play he can play, play but just a drunk. the two of them in L.A. just like being drunk, going out on, on the town. I'll tell you sure. what I want. That would be fun. Yeah. I want Russell Crowe. I want Russell Crowe start like Twitch streaming drunk. <laughs> like I want Russell Crowe do like four hours of Fortnite of, of, of map talk. Yeah, with like a <laughs> bottle of Jameson. Sure, fine. Let's do it. Yeah. Kega Fosters. Yeah, doing speed rounds of Donkey Kong. Sounds good. He should play Donkey Kong. He should. I had to put on some weight, but it was worth it to play Donkey Kong. Mean. No. Russell Crowe, he'd be a great Donkey Kong. (laughs) What are you talking about? I can't get over this idea of Russell Crowe as Donkey Kong. Zach Efron's and talks for Diddy Kong. Florence Pugh is number one choice for Trixie Kong, but we'll see. We'll see if it happens. She's in demand. So right you're talking now. about like a Donkey Kong Country movie, yeah, 100% live action, yeah, 100%. not mocap. No, 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 no mocap allowed. Now, do you think it's prosthetic? It's all character. No, just character. Just, just presence. Pure fucking presence. It's like when uh, fucking Bradley Cooper played uh, the Elephant Man. I was gonna pull, just convey it. I was going to pull the exact same reference. <laughs> Do you think is <laughs> it is so wild? I love Bradley Cooper, but then he did an on stage Elephant Man where he was just like, 
<laughs> you know, like screwing his And face. like shirtless. Yep. He was like shirtless the whole play, right? Yep. Do you think, is Russell Crowe shirtless? Is it just like him in his, like his natural. No clothes. No clothes, but the tie. Right. It's um, just <laughs> Russell Crowe with a beard and a red oh, God. tie that says DK on it. That's what it is. That's what it is. No, no makeup That's required. Good. Put it on the slate. Put it on the slate. Russell Crowe is Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong Country. Yeah. Uh, boy, oh boy. Who plays right. Grumpy Kong? Kirk Douglas. <laughs> Michael Douglas. Come on. Kirk's not up to it anymore. Michelle Pfeiffer is Wrinkly Kong. I don't know. They just keep naming Kongs. Griffin Newman's in talks for Baby Kong. No, I feel well. No, who's the clown one? Is that Lanky Kong? Uh, that sounds right. I don't really have the arms for him. No, yeah. Baby Kong, I could maybe do. You need to put on some pounds. He's big boy. I gotta put on some pounds. I guess Baby Kong would be like, um, yeah. You need like sort of like a big dummy, like the guy from uh, I Tanya. Oh, who's R- gonna be R- in the Clint Eastwood movie? Uh, Paul Walter Hausler. Right. Hauser. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, the film's called Mammy Vice. So they go undercover after having a nice shower uh-huh. to meet Jose Yero. Take it to the limit. They're going to take it to the limit one more time. Mm-hmm. And they go to, I believe it's supposed to be, fuck, where is this initial meeting happening? It's, it's somewhere in the Caribbean. Okay. It's not Colombia, I don't think. It I might don't think be so. Colombia. That'd be crazy, though. You can't go fast boat from Colombia to um, Cuba. I love that they're called go fast boats. They, it's literally, I mean, classically, the cigarette boat was right. the old sort of terminology for it, like a smuggler boat. Yeah. But yeah, go fast boats. The name is that literal and sounds like what a child would say to go describe. Fast. Yeah, right. yeah, go fast boat. Um, and they had that whole meeting in the like sort of, I mean, where they're walking up and there's mm-hmm. this little, why does it feel like, you know, everyone knows who we are 15 blocks out because everyone knows who we are 15 blocks out. Yeah. Um, where Jose Euro's like, Maybe we don't do the deal because I don't like you guys. You know, there's the whole showdown. Jamie Foxx talking about how boats, you know, when they don't move, resemble apartment buildings. I like you. I don't like the way your partner looks. And he says, are you here to fuck us? You're here to you fuck gonna... my partner right. or do business. Good line. Uh, like, I don't care what you think about my shit, how sentient wad of cocaine that I have sitting next to me as a yeah, friend. Actually, Yarrow's kind of right where he's yeah. like, what's the deal with Crockett? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> This isn't just a, a scarecrow made of cocaine bags <laughs> stuffed in a linen shirt. He has cocaine remnants on his eyelashes. <laughs> you know, when I, drug smuggling, like it, it's in a bag, not in a person. You understand that, right? Do you just melt this person and he becomes cocaine? You're a boat, not a mule. <laughs> Colin Farrell should have played the mule. Do I have to tap it from his bloodstream in order to get my supply out? Colin Farrell should play. Ooh. Crockett. Uh, and that's where Crockett. Oh, God, right. Oh, is it in there that he says, Yeah, yeah, it is, where Yero's like, Who the fuck knows you? Apart from Nicholas, like, you know, who mm-hmm. the fuck knows you? And Crockett's like, My mommy and daddy know me. Yeah. She's like, Not the, the crazy thing to say. Yeah, it's a crazy like, It's all they're saying to each other is crazy things. Yeah. Like, at no point do they, you know, like just settle down and be like, All right, sorry. Being really but aggressive. That's the right beauty now. of drug deals. Exactly. Is everyone's it's all cock of the walk shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's really happening? It's all it's all cock of the walk shit. But it's also like we all sort of know off stage what what this deal is really about. But they're yeah. not like okay, so the cocaine, 
Uh, although I guess they do get into the numbers more than I've seen any other movie do it, where they're well, like they, they really eventually get into the like right, percentages, and, right? Yeah. Uh, what the transportation is going to involve? I forgot to mention before they meet with him, they have also robbed his shipment mm. in masks, pretending to be Haitian. So that speaking Creole. Here's a great example of a thing I did not get. When they got, when they said we intercepted, right. we found you're missing. I could not figure out how they got it. They robbed it. They rob it. You see them rob it. This movie, you say it like it's very apparent. <laughs> okay, maybe not very apparent, but you see them rob it, which is, I think, the idea is that creates the the idea to Jose Arrow of like maybe we need new okay. transportation. I get this now. Right. So watching it, it was not they kind intuitive. Of, they kind yeah. of convince him to let them give it a shot. Okay. They do the drug deal. The, the, the transportation where they're on the planes mm-hmm. and they sort of sync up the two planes underneath yeah. each other to have one plane. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Anti-Bane. Sky crime. It's... Sky crime? Sky crime. Bane takes one plane, makes it two. Who the fuck are you? I, I don't know. I forgot yeah, my Bane For you. I'm just thinking of like a, my mommy and daddy know me. I'm a fiend for mojitos. <laughs> Hola, chica. Take it to the limit <laughs> one more time. Uh, come on, the planes. Cool. Yes, that's yes. obviously real. Right. Those are just a couple planes that they did. That, that Jamie Fox refused to board. Right. Um, I think he's in. At least there's interior shots of him. It might not be. Like, they must have faked it. Right. Right. Um, or that was the one and only time he did it. Right. Um. Uh. But you have Gong Lee in that scene when when yeah she's chilling in the background out, and she's sort of like. She's not really telling people who she is yet. She looks incredible. She's controlling the dial of the room. She's wearing a suit. Sitting in the shadows. She's got big sunglasses. Got big old suns. She's the greatest. Suglas. Suglas? <laughs> She's got suglas on. Um, yes. She is incredible. Did she win my Oscar that year or yeah. just nominate? It's a good question. Make the five. Film, are you kidding me? Of course she makes the five. <sighs> oh, sick. Huh? Oh six. Oh six. Who's Give me your supporting th- actress category. Gong Lee, winner, Miami Vice. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a weird year. Oh six is a weird year in general, if you look at it. Yeah. Weird I, year. I think Amy Adams would have been my winner. Like because I don't even know that what's the winner of the Oscar. Or was that two thousand five? Amy Adams is oh five. Okay, so oh six. Who would my winner have been? I don't know. Who won the Oscar like who wins best picture in 06? Uh oh six is uh uh Is Departed? It the Departed? Yeah. Right. Right. Which so, is uh, not overflowing with female performances. Right. So Mirren wins actress. Whitaker yes. wins actor. Yes. Supporting actor in 06 is uh, Alan Arkin. Supporting <laughs> actress is Ra- not Rachel Vice. That's the year before. Is that right? It might be that year. No, it's not. No, because she wins. She beats Amy Adams. How do you remember this? Though? I don't even remember I'm, I'm this a year. Broken person. Like this year, I don't think I. The I, things I don't I remember tell you what happened to me. are the things that uh, make it a struggle for me to stay alive Je- on a day to day basis. Jennifer Hudson is this point. Oh, of course. Right. right. Uh, my five are Gong Lee. Uh huh. Ava Green for Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. Emily Blunt for Devil Wears Prada. Mm-hmm. Melanie Diaz for A Guide to Recognizing Your Saints. Wow. And Deborah Francois for L'Enfant, the Darden movie. That's the five. I feel like Blunt would be my winner. Who were the other actual nominees of that year? It's rough. You got two Babel ladies. Rinko right. Kikuchi and Adriana Barraza. Who are both very good in a movie I don't like very much. Yeah. Hudson and Dreamgirls. Uh-huh. Kate Blanchett and Notes on a Scandal, who's sort of like a quasi-lead. She's good in that movie. Would have been my winner from that five. 
uh, and Abigail Breslin. Yeah, I I think Blanchett. I think Nessa she's, Scandal. She's probably my winner of that five too. Is is an incredible performance. Um, but yeah, I think Blunt probably would have been my winner overall. Uh, Blunt's incredible. I'm trying to think what my she's top close films of 06 would have been. I remember 06 being a year where I did not have a lot of favorite movies. What about Miami Vice? No, oh, it's tough to make the ten. You got the Prestige that year. I think that might have been my number one. The Departed. Mm-hmm. Casino Royale. Oh, Children of Men. Children of Men was my number one. Prestige was my number two. Sure. Uh, got some good movies here, Ben. Inside Man, Inland Empire, uh-huh. Talladega Nights, masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, Bug, The Lives of Others. Uh huh. Dave Chappelle's Block Party. Good movie. I took yeah. psychedelics and watched a Scanner Darkly with some friends. Scanner Darkly, yeah. great movie. Uh, super pretty girlfriend. trippy. Superman Returns. Cars. Yeah. Um, the Descent, Devil Wears Prada, Brick. Here's a through Hostel, line. Hostel, Tokyo th- Drift. Here's a through line in the movies you're citing, though. Not a lot of good supporting female performances. That's right. It's a weird year. Which, you're giving a thumbs down to Marie Antoinette? I don't like it. Never seen it. Never seen it? It's the only uh, couple I've never seen. That might be my favorite couple. Really? I think so. Wow. It's been a while since I saw it, though. Back to Miami Vice. Mm-hmm. Gong Lee plays mm-hmm. a character called Isabella. Okay. She is uh, awesome. I mean, she's Cuban, but Chinese. Mm-hmm. She there's this sort of mo there's a scene where she shows Colin Farrell a picture of her mother. Mm-hmm. Uh she's bewitching. Uh-huh. She's kind of like the number two. She's above Yero. Right. Because she is allied with the the cartel leader who is Archangel de Jesus Montoya. Right, who's the guy who just like Luis Tosar, who just like sits in a car? But she kind of implies that she's the man. At a, they say, "When are we going to meet the man?" And right. she's like, "Right now." Yeah, yeah. Right. She's she's in charge because he only meets them once right. in that scene where they come into his car, they sit down, and he's just like, "When you tell me to do a thing, you'll do exactly that thing." Right. It's very nice to meet you. I extend my wishes to your family. We will never meet again. Right. Which rules? Uh, what's the other line where he says, uh, "I don't pay for services; I pay for results." Yeah. I mean, seems like a cool guy. Yeah. If I met him, I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, Whew. go fast, boats. Go real fast. I would just like desperately be like, I have to say something. As <laughs> this crazy psycho billionaire is talking to me. Guys, we all know that the, the drug king pin in Miami Vice is crazy, right? And sometimes these funny thoughts come into my head. I was wondering, what would it sound like if David Sims... Met the drug campaign from Miami Vice, and I think it'd go a little something like this. <laughs> go fast boats, am I right? <laughs> sure, go fast. That's why they call them that. This is a nice car. We can look at each other in it. This is nice. I do that love that. that face of each like, other. They get out. Yeah. Gong Lee steps into his very well lit leather interior yeah. in the seats facing the other seats. Right. Then they have to be like patted down, checked a bunch of times to eventually end up in the same second vehicle as her. Right. Yeah. Rules. Yeah, cool. Um, so after that first drug deal mm-hmm. is when uh, the transpo is when Collins like makes the move on Gong Lee. Mm-hmm. Can I buy you a drink? Essentially. Yeah. And she's like, I know a good place for mojitos. Yeah. It's called a Cuba. It's called Havana. Yeah. And uh, they get in the GoFast. They don't like me. They don't like my passport. They don't like my passport. I have a cousin who works at the garden. That's passion, though. 
it's romance. It's the greatest scene. It's such in a cinema. cool first date. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like, the, and like the music just goes all the way up. Uh-huh. They're just in this boat. They're talking to each other. I, every time I just heard a Joanne and I go like, "No way, they would be able to hear his fucking thing." It would be like, "Yeah, we're Cuba, okay." You know, like, like that would be the conversation. We uh, can we say this without citing any people? Okay. We heard a thing recently. Okay. That that Michael Mann's uh, hearing is touch and go. Sure. And that depending on which day he's in at the mix, sure, he but, might adjust the volume dramatically upwards or downwards based on how his hearing is doing that day. Which leads to what I have experienced watching Michael Mann movies recently, uh, a need to keep the remote in your hand at all times <laughs> to adjust on a scene-by-scene basis. Because it's men mumbling and then all of a sudden it's the loudest gunshots. Encore, do you want? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> okay. That's all I was saying. Yeah. No, that's great. Because you were saying the music's all the way up. And I fucking love it, though. Yeah. They drive to Cuba. They drive. They it's take- just hypnotic. Yeah. Just slow. Yeah. They go to Cuba. There's the great scene where they're drinking mojitos, uh, which he's a fiend for. He's a fiend for them. Uh, and, uh, you know, the band is playing and you're just immediately like, why the fuck have I not yet gone to Cuba? Like, well, you know, like that's a Michael Mann movie, too. We're like, I got to go here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. L.A. got to be the last of the most beautifully shot. It's it's like, and it changes. Mm It's like, you know, you're so sort of like uh, set in with like the neon lighting Mm -hmm. of like what he's shooting in Miami. Mm -hmm. And it's just so bright and light. But also so much, that's everything. I mean, like, because Man Vice TV show, it's like, oh, look at all these colors, all the cool lighting, whatever. So much of the Miami stuff in the movie is like a sickly yellow. Yeah. Like, he's really owning digital being able to capture how gross fluorescent lighting is. Mm. That scene where they're in the warehouse with yes. the fluorescent lighting and they kick open the doors. And then you see just the pier. Um, and it makes you realize how how uh, creepy and uh, bad most lighting makes people look, you know? <laughs> and the John Hawk scene on the side of the yes. road, it's like the street lamps are just yellow. Like they like all just look like, like urine. Gauzy. Yeah, they yeah. do. Yes, yes. That scene's so frightening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Cuba is like warmer and mm-hmm. I mean, all the Colin Gong Lee scenes are the scenes like that's my favorite shit in the movie. All their romance yeah. stuff, just the whole weird, like hermetic, like they're living this, like you for, for some reason, just believe that they would do this. Uh, you know what I mean? Cause it's yeah. like a classic, obviously like you're in too deep undercover cop right. movie plot is like yeah. and then he falls for a criminal and like then what are they gonna do right but like in this you're like not only do I believe that they have sex I can't believe they haven't been having sex their entire lives uh, TZ14 said like wow this part of the movie is going on for a while like mm-hmm. she was surprised at right. what How would usually be five minutes exactly where they're or just like you get it right they're in love now okay great. interrupted by other scenes was just right. like no. yes that's kind of the movie I was like, this is the emotional spot. Like, get ready, because yeah. this is the rest of the movie is playing off of this. Pretty much. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever, what else even happens? This is the main thing to track in this movie. Yeah. Right. Because at this point, Tubbs drops off the radar. Right. And Jamie Foxx. <laughs> Jamie Foxx is like, it was $15 million. Great. I'm not coming right. back. Right. No, I, I don't know. I mean, like, what is I mean, Tubbs? Tubbs just becomes like a guy who's a professional. Yeah. He's just, and he'll check in with uh, with Crockett. I keep yeah. calling him Ricardo, which is Tubbs' first name. Yeah. He'll check in with Crockett and be like, you okay? Like, wait, there's the... Um, uh, he senses, he goes, you making moves on her? And he goes, no, we're making moves on each other. 
he, he has the yeah, which is amazing. But there's the uh, as in there is undercover, and then there is which way is up. Yeah, and Crocker's like, you think I'm in so deep? I forgot. And everyone in the audience is like, yes, yeah, <laughs> that's your vibe. But that's also, yes. I think that's the other thing Michael Mann's interested in. And trying to come back to my advice is just like this stuff isn't glamorous. Sure, these people become like ciphers. Like they don't know who they are anymore right. because they spend so much time working on making their own identity so malleable, even more so than actors, because you don't have the breaks of calling cut. Like, you're living in these awful worlds and training yourself to uh, not react proportionately to them. Yeah, and to to not react to horrible things and horrible ideas and insufferable people. right. Right, there's this area in which, like, being an actor involves a kind of, like, deliberate... Um, sort of uh, uh, sociopathy, right? And uh, being an undercover cop, I imagine, is just that times a billion because you have to like watch people get murdered in front of you and go like, "Yeah, cool, I love that." Yeah, I'm into it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a great criminal, big fan, great murder. <laughs> you know, so these guys are just like, like that's why it works so much that Colin Farrell is at like the end of his rope as a human being while making this movie. Hundred percent. Is because it's just like this guy is just like he has no idea who the fuck he is anymore. And both of them are professionals and both of them know they shouldn't be getting together. But it's also like they've trained themselves to not care so much. It's it's also just like, I mean, this is another rant about Hollywood now. But like if you make this movie now, mm-hmm. it has to be funny. Mm-hmm. Right. There has to be this sort of knowing stuff. Yeah. There would have to be all this kind of like goofy material. Mm-hmm. Right. This movie doesn't get made now in well, any way. It doesn't. Yeah. Any, but like, let's say it does. Sure. Because like 21 Jump Street got made. Right. Like, you know, like that right. kind of thing where they're right. like, you well, of course, Miami Vice. People yeah. know Miami Vice. But right. Oh, you're right. This no, it would be, a be loose and yes. goofy. Yes. Yeah. And you can do an action movie and you right. can do cop stuff. But it better not be like, you know, too alienated. Because even this coming two years after, like, uh, Starsky and Hutch was, like, a pretty stark comparison. Uh, exactly. Yes. And then when's that? That's, like... Oh, four. Oh, four. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's the other vibe. Right. right. And this is uh, Michael Mann being like, no, it would be really hard to be an undercover cop. Let's let's do that. Right. This is about lost people in a horrible world. A brutal, <laughs> uncaring world. And that's his pitch to the studio in 2019. And right. the studio is like... Yeah, okay. We were thinking more like Hemsworth, but he's funny. I guess Hemsworth is in a man movie, though. Yeah. But, like, that's what, you know? Hemsworth would play him tomorrow. He if would he, play him yeah. tomorrow. Right. Right? Yeah. 100%. It would be Hemsworth and... I'm trying to think who would play Tubbs today. Who's, like, sort of... Who is who is Jamie Foxx in 2019? Yeah. Like, is the question. I don't know. Who's the Jamie Foxx in I mean, because, like, they've been trying with, like, Jesse T. Usher, like, putting him in things like Shaft and Independence Day. Yeah. Where they're like, I mean, is it Michael B. Jordan? But I don't think that's the right vibe. It's not quite the right vibe. And I'm like, is it Trevante Rhodes? Is it Chadwick Boseman? Oh, Trevante Rhodes would be good. Well, he's good in everything. I think creatively, he would be my choice. Right. I right. think the studio would probably want to be Chadwick and Hemsworth, right? right? Right. And then the director is, I don't know, someone who can do funny. Yeah. See, I don't think Michael B. is the right choice because Michael B.'s whole great thing is his anger. And these guys have to be so fundamentally... They're so cool. Right. Smooth. You That's don't want do. to neuter Michael B. Jordan. And even Colin Farrell, like, yeah, like 99% of people... I mean, honestly, Don Johnson yeah. plays this more as a guy who's got a lot of rage. 
Carl, that's not Colin's take at all. In, intentionally or not, he's playing it as a guy, right, who's just lost at sea. This guy's just like, he's like scooped everything out from inside of himself. <laughs> you know, he's like, he's like the husk of like a cantaloupe that you put cottage cheese in, that's and right. the cottage cheese is crime. <laughs> And then along comes a great piece of prosciutto played uh-huh. by Gong Li. Uh-huh. And it matches so perfectly with yeah. the melon, you know? Yeah. Yes. It's yes. such a great, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cottage cheese is crying. Cottage cheese is crying. We need a t-shirt that's like a melon, a cantaloupe with yeah. cottage cheese in it, but then like Colin Farrell's face is on the cantaloupe. And there's like Colin Farrell, Miami Vice hair coming out of the cantaloupe. No, I think you want like, it's like a bird's eye view. Uh-huh. And the cantaloupe roughly makes out like Mufasa's face in the clouds. Colin Farrell with a mustache, you know? He's got a stash. Ben, Miami Vice. What's Benjamin. Up, Do you like it? Uh, You're yeah, leaning back. I liked it a lot. Had you seen it before? Mm-hmm. It'd been years. It was great. I'm pulling up my notes. Okay. Oh, you got some notes. Yeah, so... Uh, one thing I want to say, I don't like deals. Mm. There's a lot of deals happening on phones. Well, and also, Ben, come on. This is like the the end of flip phones is this movie. Yeah. There are so many scenes involved. Like, there's one where they're, like, taking video on, like, a fucking Nokia, you know? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah, great. That'll be admissible in court. There's also part where, is that? 2P? Where like, she's, like, showing a sex tape on, like, a flip phone. Yeah. It says, like, web zones or something. <laughs> And I'm like, can you imagine how much oh that data bill is going to be? <laughs> In a pre-Wi-Fi enabled smartphone era, if you're watching a live streamed sex show on your fucking flip phone. Right. First of all, it's going to buffer like crazy. <laughs> what if this movie ended with uh, everyone sitting down with Fajima and being like, okay, so uh, here's the bill. Uh, yeah, you owe, we need uh, about 40 to $50 million that we bought all this cocaine. We bought a bunch of go fast boats. Yeah. The gas those things go through. Yeah. Let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The most yeah. expensive fucking. Uh, yeah, it seems operations. like we ruined an entire shipping port in Miami with a yeah. gun. So we're going to have to figure that out. Right. Uh, right. We blew up a trailer. They're like the Michael Mann of vice squads. <laughs> exactly. Where I'm just like, they are city policemen. Yeah. You know, and you yeah. just see them like flying planes like it's no big deal. When did they fucking learn to fly a plane? They make like $63,000 a year. Like they, they're in a union. They're yeah. like in the detectives union. Right. They they make it they make $62,000 a year with a per diem of $1 million <laughs> per day. Like they're petty cash. For their operations. I mean, there is a scene early on where, like, he says you're going to be in o- OCD uh, ETF, like the which is like the federal mm-hmm. like agency that is the federal agency that's like, here's where you we'll give you some cocaine. Uh huh. But still, yeah. I mean, they are just city cops. They take it to the limit. They that's true, and they smooth is how they do it. <laughs> that's how we do it. Smooth, like Santana and Ralph Marshall. Uh, that's true. Yes, it is like but Santana. I say no to deals. Okay. I'm tired of this culture. You know, it's Trumpian almost. Deals. Oh, I got it. Here's so, the deal. So if, okay. Like, let's just, you know. So you're no set deal. Terms. Like if the banker calls. Let's talk it out. We don't need deals. Well, wait a second. What you're describing is a deal. Let's Damn talk it. it out and set terms. Damn it. <laughs> Very much a deal. I just don't like how everyone's like, oh, I'm a deal maker. Like that whole mentality is so annoying to me. I understand what you're saying because it's that thing where Trump's like, I'm totally a deal maker. I got this great deal. Uh, here it is. And it's like. 
Kim Jong Un has to do nothing. Like you know, like it's all it's all inflated. I'm sorry, I just can't get over it. Donald Trump is the president. Are we, David? Are we a hundred percent? You have the computer in front of you. Can you check this? Are we a hundred percent sure it's not a different guy with the same name? Okay, let's see. So I googled. It just feels like it's got to be a different guy with the same name. President of the United States of America, incumbent Donald Trump, since January twentieth, twenty seventeen. Go to Wikipedia and check the hyperlink. It can't be the the Uh, Apprentice. Born nineteen forty six in Jamaica, Queens. Uh, It is sort of the same age and location. Uh, does look like. Oh wait, I'll just uh, Control F for Apprentice. (laughs) Uh, yes, The Apprentice, uh, 16 references. That yeah, is yeah. nuts. Uh-huh, yeah, he's also uh, oh, in charge of the Trump Organization, which is a real estate business. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I think it's the same guy. I say no deal. Yeah. <laughs> Howie Mandel, could he be president? Yeah, much better president. Okay, we're going to cut all that out. <laughs> Here, I mean, here's the promise of Howie Mandel. I'm not going to make it. Okay, was it like a... Cleanliness joke. I feel like that's the joke everyone makes. Yeah. 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 And I was going to try to work fist bumping in with grabbing things. I like it better when you just talk about it, around it. Here was the idea around the joke. (laughs) How Mandel has OCD. He doesn't like shaking people's hands. That would guarantee that we'd have a president who doesn't grow people. Right. I couldn't figure out how to to construct it. But now all of you have the pieces. And I get to walk away clean. cut, Cut this up and put the joke together. Yourselves at home. No, no. You have to record yourself making the joke. Okay. Yeah. And then send that to Griffin. Uh, but also, if Shampoodler wants to cut this up and make it into a drop, that'll be uh, greatly appreciated. Oh, yeah. What happened to that? Shampoodler did make a drop. He made a drop for he us. He made a drop. I got the drop. We will use the drop when the drop calls for. Can is, we? Is it a news drop? Was that what it was? Uh, I think it's, it's like, it's like mailbag. Mailbag. It's drop. a mailbag drop. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to play it now? No, 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 no. We'll we'll do it like when, as you said, like when the moment calls for it, okay, like cool. right now. <laughs> so did what we a like good that? job. Yeah, I love that job. job. Thank you, Shampoodler, for the job. Basically, yeah. What happens in this movie is that Jose. <laughs> It's just Donkey Kong. <laughs> Jose Yero. No, that's a picture of Russell Crowe. <laughs> oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Jose Yero, played by played by John Ortiz, yeah. starts watching. Put it away. <laughs> Put it away. We got to finish this. Is it a picture of Cranky Kong? Put it away. <laughs> All right. We already did a 10-minute riff on that. <laughs> Swear to God. <laughs> Jose Yero uh-huh. starts watching Miami Vice essentially the TV show no the movie because he's like starts watching Colin and Gong yeah and he's like these two are fucking burning up the screen and he has They're tears so in his into eyes. each other exactly his tears in his eyes because there's that scene where Gong Lee tells uh, her boss Suito Scott like you know where she is like I slept with him and I think he's a professional yeah and he's like that's my girl so it's like he's not jealous that she had sex with the guy right but he is jealous when he's he in love. when he realizes that their dancing is so fucking on fuego <laughs> and their mojito ordering is so fucking sexy. <laughs> uh, and she's what? like shown him nice pictures of her family. What's the the line they have when they're at like the bar the following morning and they're talking about their future and their past? Uh huh. About like making sure this thing doesn't go too far. 
You know what I'm talking about? I do. I mean, there's this sort of like... They word it in some cool Michael Mann way. Well, I mean, they're like, is this going to affect our future together, our business? I mean, there's th- here's one exchange that I like. Yeah. Where she's like, uh, once I had a fortune, it reads, leave now, time is short. Time is, uh, life is short, time is luck. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about like what happens when it all goes down. Okay. Uh, and Crockett has the probability is like gravity. You cannot negotiate with gravity. Yeah. One day you should just cash out. And she's like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, as far and fast as you can. She's like, would you find me? And he's like, yes, I would. Yeah. And I'm like. David did the erection finger again. He's holding it up. Yeah. Um, but eventually, uh, Gero convinces Jesus. Mm-hmm. That Isabella's turned on him. Mm-hmm. These guys are no good. They have the Aryan Brotherhood kidnap Naomi Harris. Mm-hmm. They have Gero mm-hmm. kidnap Isabella. Mm-hmm. But the one thing, there's also, we forgot to mention a zillion years ago, there's a scene where they kind of buy their loyalty by saying, like, look, we recovered your we stolen found drugs. The, yeah. Right. Which is uh, also, I feel like, playing it a little close, but the idea is like mm-hmm. to get in quickly. A little close to the vest? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so you have this final showdown that's essentially like, but we still have their drugs, mm-hmm. so we can maybe swap it yeah. uh, for Isabella. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And, I mean, Naomi Harris, but they just go get Naomi Harris. But then... Well, right. Then the trailer blows up. Higuero blows up the trailer and almost kills. Yeah. But there's the cool scene where Elizabeth Rodriguez is like, I'm going to shoot you in your medulla. Oh, that's great. It's fucking great. Right, shoots he's a like, couple you Nazis. You shoot me, I blow her up. He's got the detonator. And she's like, I shoot you, you die in half a second, you don't have time to move your finger. And he's like, well... Your finger won't even twitch, only you get dead. Right, and he's, he literally just... Tell just, me, sport, you believe that? He goes like, hey, fuck you, and then she just shoots him He gets him in the one neck. syllable out, <laughs> truly. He goes like, ah... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's immediate. Because um, that whole sequence is great. But that is the sort of secondary sequence. The primary mm-hmm. sequence is the shootout. I like that they don't kill uh, Jesus. Yeah. This isn't like a story where they, they they fucking nail the cartel. No. They get Yero. They shoot him. Yeah. It's and, awesome. And fucking Colin has his badge out to Gong Lee see you. Gong Lee sees him and the she's reflection. like, what are you? I like that, that it's just the reflection the, of the, the glimmer. The glimmer of the light, the shine from the badge. Um, and, But, you know, no. I mean, I mean Ricardo... It, Tubbs, you know, shoots yeah. Yero with like a fucking grenade launcher, so he like blows a giant hole in his body. Yes, uh, call, you know, uh, Crockett gets the Aryan Brotherhood guy mm-hmm. under the car. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the shootout's cool. I do too. the The director's cut puts music over it, which sucks. What What song is it? In the air tonight, played by Nonpoint. Oh, which then they play in the end credits, right? In this, yes, right. Okay. Uh, the credits plays a Moby song in the director's cut. Instead. Interesting. Um, I kind of it, it's bad with the in the air tonight in my head I'm putting it together and it seems cool okay well some people like it okay I'm not a fan I like I think the movie's great I just don't think it needs to be messed with on Blu-ray and they only ever release the director's cut right I think and that's, then on digital it's only theatrical free. on digital I think you can get both but I know that was the thing where you warned me like don't buy the Blu-ray because it's the bad version I'm pretty sure that's right um, you can. Yeah, I guess so. I feel like the DVD they had both cuts, and for Blu-ray, it's for sure. only. Yeah, it looks like it's only the director's version. Right. 
Unrated director's edition. Right. Unrated and out of control. Uh, remember when things were unrated? Yeah. And remember when, like, the uh, DVD covers for unrated movies were photoshopped to have, like, the characters reacting to how unrated it was? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I do. Um, Like, the cast of Anchorman or whatever, or the goods. Yeah. The cast of the goods. Um, We talked about uh, the uh, Nutty Professor to the Clumps. Written by Chris Wayne? Yes, where the uh, DVD cover is like Granny Clump putting right. caution tape yeah. around the rest of the family, and the caution tape says like unrated. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Pretty good. The, the, the cover of Miami Vice is like that too. Yeah. It's Barry like, Shabaka Henley is putting caution tape around everybody. Yeah. And Colin Farrell's like wide eyed holding like a shush finger up to his mouth. <laughs> Barry Shabaka Henley gets some good shit in the last half hour. Yeah, I mean, it's fun to watch Barry Shabaka Henley in an action sequence. Just like him in a, yeah, he, he's he got like a bulletproof vest and like a yeah. semi-automatic rifle. Yes, he does. And like he's in the helicopter in that one part where they're like trying to triangulate everything. Yeah. And then you see him like trying to find the shooters with the, like the infrared camera. But it's also like, that's what these guys actually look like. A hundred percent. In real life. And they like go out and they're in the shit, you know? Right, right. I'm sorry. It was Sherman has wrapped up the rest of his family in uncensored <laughs> oh, it's, oh, boy. But he looks shocked. Like he's just done something really naughty. <laughs> he's like, <gasps> um, Don Johnson mm -hmm. was the person who suggested Colin Farrell for the movie. Interesting. Yeah. Based off of, had they worked together? He just was a fan of his work. I highly doubt it. We should also mention there was a famous hurricane that hit Miami mm -hmm. during filming, uh, which uh, delayed filming quite a lot. That helped uh, make it more expensive. Um, that uh, man talked to Edward James Olmos to make, you know, for to reprise his role, but mm -hmm. he said no, which is too bad because, yeah, like at this point, we're talking like Battlestar Galactica, like Edward yeah. James Olmos is cool again. Yes. And like totally could just like put him right in here. Yeah. No one is better at just like grumbling in a gravelly voice than him. During one squall associated with Tropical Storm Dennis, Farrell and Fox drove along the street in a Ferrari with a convertible top down. As they made their way along the block, the windows were blown out of a tall building and glass rained down, <laughs> damaging the car and just missing the stars. The wind was blowing so hard we could hardly get our gear back from the truck, a crew member says. Followed by, you bet it was dangerous, says man. <laughs> but that's like, the, that whole sequence when they're on the roof with the Fujima, yeah. and like the lightning is going off around yeah, them. right. And it's like that thing, you, the Manola quote, right. quote, like where you can see the storm. Yes. Like miles away. Right. It's cool. Yeah. It's great. Also right. sounds dangerous. Cool. Here's another thing you want to know, Griff. Yeah. Naomi Harris was make, shooting this back-to-back -back with Pirates of the Caribbean. Of course she was, because they're two movies. Right, so so she had to like do this on weekdays and Pirates on weekends. Crazy. Jesus Christ. Tia Dalma, we stand a legend. We do stand a legend. Uh, even though I feel like people hate that, hated that at the time. I remember anyone who I thought had an interesting brain was like, who is that actor and what is that performance she's giving? I agree with that. Because I was very bored with those movies, and I was like... That movie has so many monologues. Yeah. Go on, sir. No, I just remember being like, she's doing something really weird here. Because, like, the sequels, you come in and, like, Depp's starting to get stale. And she, it feels like she's the one doing kind of the radical yeah, she's thing. She's doing some weird. Right. Yeah. Uh, the initial test screening length of the movie was 150 minutes and it got cut down. Sure. Mm -hmm. I could see that. Mm -hmm. um, and he just views it as a lost cause. Like, he doesn't try to. Well, it. he did his director's cut. Yeah. Uh, and I guess that but that was comes that. out like immediately afterwards, pretty quickly. Yeah, I just remember the hype about that. 
But yeah, I mean, he moves on. I don't know. I mean, he gets to make public enemies. So even though this movie was a bomb, it didn't like, uh, it, you know, wasn't it wasn't so big a bouncer that he didn't get to make another extremely expensive movie. No, Obviously, movie star still mattered. He pulls if, the if thing of could, getting a big movie star. Right. right. If you could get three movie stars in your movie at that scale, you you got a green light. You got a green light, baby. And, uh, you know, as long as you do it smooth. I don't know. Do you, you have any more things you want to say about the shootout? What was I was going to say. Well, yeah. I mean, I remember I have this false memory of the movie ending with Amy Harris dying and Jamie Foxx in the shower by himself. But in fact, the ending is a glimmer of hope that she wakes up again. Yes. As the music is building, after everything is sorted out, yeah. uh, Colin, you know, Crockett takes Gong Lee to the stash house. Yeah. And then, like, she has to send her boats up. away. Yeah. But she, she's going to, yeah. Because he loves her. He loves her. As do I. They love each other. Um... But it's, then, it's another classic Michael Mann, like, what do you do now? It's the exact Michael Mann. Edit. Right. Exactly, where he's going to see Trudy at the hospital. Yeah. We know that she's, like, we see there's that shot of her hand. Yeah. Like, she's gonna probably going to be okay. She starts flittering, and then they come in, and she opens her eyes. Tubbs is there, but the last shot is him just walking into the hospital. Feral walking. Yes, and it just yeah. cuts to black, and then Miami Vice in, like, blue. Right. Uh, and the... Uh, the actual typeface on the credits is uh, so small. Yes, it's tiny. And the blue is so dark that it's almost indistinguishable from the black. Yeah, rules. Uh, it's crazy. That's yeah. when I was just in my seat in the theater being like, what the fuck? It's, oh, same here. Yeah. Um, but then I went on to watch the movie one billion times, whereas yeah. you were just like, yeah, that was a weird thing that happened to me. Yeah, I like think about it. I would think about it sometimes, but sure. I, I wasn't compelled You'd to rewatch it. David's doing anger, I guess. <laughs> God, you need a vacation. I do. Badly. <laughs> I'm going to the ocean, baby. Uh, box office. All right, here we go. July 28th, 2006. Okay. I'm in college, but I saw this in London uh, with Joey Sims. Um, what, on, uh, like a spring break? Yeah, on a spring break in July. And um, <laughs> wish they'd done it in July. That's what they said at my previous spring break, so they took him up on it. Ben just leaned over and he's got sunglasses on. <laughs> Uh, I just, you know, it wasn't, in, you know, it was the summer. I saw. Sure, where, sure. where did you see it, huh? I saw it, uh, I believe, at Union Square with my my uh, great old friend Michaela Gross, who just had a birthday. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I think we saw it at Union Square. We were like, we both want to see that. Like, we we're we're uh, uh, long friends, but like once a year, it'd be like, oh, that's a movie that the two of us want to see that other people don't seem excited about. Right. And we were really amped up about like we're gonna prove them wrong. We're gonna see it, and it's gonna rule. And then both of us are kind of like, I don't really know what to make of that thing. Didn't hate it, but we're like, that's a very confusing movie. Well, it opened number one, uh-huh. but to an underwhelming $25 million. Yeah. Uh, and it grosses a total of 63. Yeah, not great. No. Multiplied, I actually, I remembered it multiplying even worse. I remembered it being like 25 and 50. I mean, but 63 isn't much better. No, it's not much better. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, lukewarm debut. Mm-hmm. The number two movie is in its fourth week and had been dominating for three weeks. One of the biggest hits of the summer, maybe biggest hit of the year. Uh, is it's it the biggest Dead hit Man's of the Chest? Year. It's yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, which made four hundred and twenty-three million dollars total. Huge movie. It broke Guess, the all-time opening weekend record. Yeah, yeah. It would, people were, and I just, I was in college, and that was like yeah. it, that came out when I was like still in class, and I just remember we were all like, like that's we cannot wait to fucking yeah. see this movie. Right. And then we saw it, and it was kind of that Matrix Reloaded thing where we were like, was that was. It was bad, I think. Right, but but Johnny Depp was in the. It was Captain Jack Sparrow. Yeah. I thought we liked this. Like, yeah. 
you know, like it was like we couldn't just be like we didn't like that. We were just confused. I remember just being so bored by it. Right. And I was not a big fan of the first movie, but I was excited I for the first. second movie, right. especially with all the fucking sea creature pirates. Sure. I was like all in on all that design right. stuff. Right. Um, and I remember uh, Ted Elliott and Tara Russo wrote those movies, mm-hmm. right? Russo. And they said when the first one was such a success, we had to sit back and ask ourselves, okay, so if we're making a trilogy now, is this Indiana Jones or is it Star Wars? Okay. Are we going to make two more films and act like it was always meant to be a trilogy right. and build a larger mythology and an epic three-part just narrative? just do more adventures. And I always felt like they picked the wrong avenue, right. that I wanted to just see another crazy adventure. And they were like, no, 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 mythos. The mythos. So shit. much mythos. Yeah. yeah. We got to meet Jack's dad. We yeah. got to see the pirate council. Yeah. All this shit. Todd Hansen of The Onion always used to contend that that's what he liked about those movies was yeah. that- they put so much work it's into the mythos. It's what's interesting about him, no question. That he's like, someone's really, like, really cares about it. You can read interviews with Rosso right. and whatever those names, Elliot yeah. and Rosso. Yeah. Where they talk about how into it they all were, yeah. but whatever. That was number two. I feel like those movies get bogged down by the mythos. That's number I two. Do, I do too, but we should rewatch them and find out because it's been years since yeah, I've seen it. We're going to get gory. But, like, that was the number one movie of 2006? 20, yeah. 423. Tell me the second biggest movie of that year. Second biggest movie of 06 was Night at the Museum. Which made? Uh, 250. Exactly that. Thank you. That's weird. That's weird. But that's great. Like, that's yeah. how like that's how much bigger a deal this was. That was, I mean, this was a time where nothing made over 200 and change. It's, it, you it's never a time when. the 300s, the 400s. It's also a time when, like, every Variety Card article was like, is cinema dead? Like, yeah. ticket sales down, right? Like, right. the whole. It's the pre Marvel right. era when studios are scrambling to figure out, like. But you would have, like, one movie per year would get into the 400s. Your Shrek 2, your Passion of the Christ, your Spider Man, your Dead Man's Chest, whatever, right? Yeah. And uh, nothing had made 500 million, and nothing had made 600 million other than Titanic. Like those were the only yeah. that was the only movie that had crossed those two benchmarks. Right, and now it's like Spider Man buys a candy bar, and they're like, "Yeah, two billion worldwide." Spider Man took a piss in this movie. That movie's fun, though. No, it's great. I think that movie's a lot of fun. You know Spider-Man why? Spider Man buys a candy bar. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, <laughs> that one's good. That not one's... not Spider Man Far From Home. No, Far From Home. Yeah, it's fine. You know what's fun? What? Tom Holland and Zendaya. Yeah, Zen- Zendaya. Zendaya is Michi. Is Michi right? Yeah, yeah. that'd be uh, cute. They're so cute together. She is. Adorable. I think that she's a real talent. Yeah, and yeah. I, they're 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 for real too, right? That's the question. I did a lot of googling. Yeah, okay, it seems like they're for real. Yeah, well, heaven's for real if you believe Colton Burpo. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Number three at the box office. Yeah, it's a new release. Uh huh. It's a teen comedy. John Tucker Masai. <laughs> yes. Now, this is a film about how a character named John Tucker... He must die. ...must die. Yeah. Because he's a jerk. He's uh, dating three women at the same time. Within the same high school, that's tough. It's Ashanti. Keep going. It's... Who are the other two? I think Brittany Snow. Brittany Snow. Sophia Bush, is that right? That was going to be my guess, Sophia Bush. And it's the kid who was the, the hunk of meat in Jesse Desperate Housewives. Who was going to be the next great movie star. Yeah, he was going to be the next great something. Right. Uh, and it, the poster was just a, a woman's butt in underwear. Uh, John Tucker must die. And she has it as like a, a an above the ass tattoo is the title. Yeah. A quote unquote 
tramp stamp. The kids are calling it tramp stamping. Uh, and here we go. Here's a ooh, this is a horrible poster. Jesus Christ. Oh, and then there's also there's uh, Ariel. Uh, yeah, Ariel Kebble. Is she one of the three? I think she's the new girlfriend. I don't fucking know. okay. Um, number four. Yeah. Uh huh. You okay, Ben? Yeah. No. Good. Ten more minutes. Guys, rock and roll. Okay. Number four. What length are we at right now? Uh. 227. Oh boy. Plus ads. Oh, jeez. Okay. Let's think about Michael Mann. Yeah. Okay, go on. Oh, Jesus. Go Look on. At Look at him complaining. Go on. Uh, it's an animated film. Animated film. I'm, you're so hot right now that I'm just like, I don't know. I'm going to give you no clues. Uh, Aunt Bully doesn't come out until. Aunt Bully is number five. So congratulations <laughs> on that. Because I was wondering how the fuck I was going to set that one up. Yeah. Aunt Bully? Yeah. What is this? What is that about? The battle for the lawn is on, apparently, is according a, to the poster. It's a kid who bullies ants in a, in a real ironic twist. He gets shrunk down to the size of an ant. Oh, oh Jesus. This looks Julia like. Julia Roberts, Paul Giamatti, Nicolas Cage. This looks like You're a forgetting piece one. Of shit. Who's the other big person? Meryl Streep. Right. <laughs> What the fuck did she play? Produced by Tom Hanks. Okay. Is this one of those things where like his kid had an idea and he like called Katzenberg? It's based on a children's book that has a very thin premise. And I remember when he bought the rights and I was like, I like that book. I don't know how that book is more than 30 pages long. And they made it. It's a weird, weird movie. It's kind of about communism. It's 82 minutes long. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas Cage plays like a wizard ant. I watched it as part of my thing where I, I was trying to watch every Nicolas Cage movie to write an article about it, and then yeah. the outlet went under. What was the outlet? Uh, what was it called? Champion Magazine. Never heard of it. Yeah, well, I wonder why. Um, Never got paid for it. Okay. Um, the other animated movie, though, number four. I think it's an Oscar nominee that year. Uh, Monster House. Bingo. There we go. Okay. That's a good one. I like okay. Monster House. That's okay. You just think it's okay? I think it's okay. You've also got Lady in the Water, mm, Narf, uh, You, Me, and Dupree, Little Man. Uh -huh. Hollywood was different back then. Oh boy! Devil Wears Prada, My Super Ex Girlfriend. Uh huh. New this week, Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, in seven theaters. New this week, That's Scoop. Like hiccuping. Yeah. Scoop. Scoop. Hugh Jackman, Scarlett Johansson, Ian McShane. <laughs> Scoop. 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 There it is. Uh, new this week. Uh, that's it. It's kind of fascinating that uh, Superman Returns is already this far out of the 10. It's 12. Yeah. Uh, it's made 185 on its way to 200. It eeks. Know. They keep it in theaters yeah, for like right. seven months. Jesus. They probably played it in drive-ins for like Because their forever. thing was like, our magic number is we greenlight a sequel if it makes it to 200. And then they eeked to 200 and they're like. And everyone was like, where's the sequel? And they were like, oh. Uh, no. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Too bad. That movie's great and definitely was not made by a criminal. Griffin's just blinking. I'm trying to work the logic here. Uh, it was yeah. made by a criminal. It was made by a criminal. But it's an amazing movie. Yeah. Well, it's okay. Uh, that's it? That's a movie we uh, would have done a blank check episode on two years ago. We almost did. 100%. We almost did it instead of um, Lost in Space. Now I wish we had. And the reason we didn't? Because we would have, yeah, we were like, oh, well, we might do Brian Singer one day. Uh -huh. mm. <laughs> uh, no, we won't. Well, mm. you don't want to do him? Footage yeah. not found. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> uh, next year, March Madness, 
losers bracket. Mm -hmm. Following your March Madness, criminals bracket. <laughs> oh no, too many contenders. Yeah, that's going to be the one time that McTiernan finally wins. <laughs> You're right. Because at least his crimes aren't <laughs> Honor among as morally abhorrent. Right. Yes. Miami Vice. It made 163 worldwide. Yeah. It's a good movie. It's a great movie. It makes me so happy. Okay, can I just, do you still it's have. Definitely not about Miami, though, at all. Mm. It's more about Cuba. Yeah. Yeah. It's Vice. Do you. It covers Vice. Okay, yeah. Do you still have the window open with the top films of 06? Uh, I can get it really quickly. Uh, why? We're just going to end this episode, but I'm just, I'm, I'm curious to see if I could do that as well. The top five? Yeah. Because Dead Man's Chest number one. Yep. Night at the Museum number two. Yep. Is Cars number three? Yes. Ben's holding up the picture of Donkey Kong again. <laughs> Cars is number three, 244. Cars is number three, 244. So there are two other movies over 200. Uh, there's actually three. Because okay. Superman Returns. And that's number six, right? right? Okay, so there are two, four, and five. Are either of them franchises? One is. Uh, they both are. One's the start of a franchise. One's oh, the third film. Is it uh, 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 Chronicles of Narnia? Nope. Oh, that's a five. I guess so. Um, one is the start of a franchise. One is a third film. One's the third franchise. One is the third. Third and final. No. No. Third and third of like sixteen. I mean, there's been so many fucking spinoffs. A third of sixteen. I mean, sixteen is the number I'm making up. I don't know how many there've been. There've been a lot. Is it this one here? No, uh, the, the this one. This one here. Ah, oh. uh, they they remade it this year, and it just came out. We saw it together. We saw it to oh oh X Men the Last Stand. Yep. Weird weird to think of that film as a remake, but of kind course. of is. Right. So that's two thirty four. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> Shouldn't you be thanking me? Should you be angry at me for revealing this sickness? <laughs> and the number five is starting a franchise. Yeah. Of which there have been three movies. We barely know. It's just a franchise starting. It was seen as a it was probably one of the most hyped movies of the year. Really? For 06. When did it come out? August. No, no, I'm sorry. Not August. That's when it left theaters. May 19th. I was briefly surprised. I was like, this came out. No, it came out May 19th. How's that May 19th? It's Sony Columbia. Sony Columbia mm -hmm. starts a franchise. They make three. Yes. It was big. Yeah, big. It was hype. People don't remember now how fucking big this was. David's pointing What's knowingly. What's underneath? On the poster. Ooh, let's look. There's something underneath on the poster. I would say this is his worst hair. <sighs> Horrible hair. The worst this. hair in any oh, movie. Oh, 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 oh. It's the Da Vinci Code. Ah, was that too much? Code. Gotta crack the code. Gotta crack that code. Sorry no, I was, no, 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 no. Also, I mean, the, the, the teaser poster with the Mona Lisa is fine. Yeah. But, like, this was what they settled on it's for the so final poster? Yeah. It's just, like, Tom Hanks and Audrey Tattoo look sort of concerned. Yeah. They're kind of like, huh. That's how they look. It's crazy how bad he looks in that movie. That movie is fucking garbage. It looks like... Is it a wig? I don't know. Like he looks like someone took a shit uh, on his. I believe head. he said they straightened it for him because he's got such curly hair. He's curly hair. He's very curly hair. He's all wrong for that character anyway. And then yeah. that whole movie because he's supposed he's so folksy and that guy's supposed yeah. to be kind of weird, right? And then that whole movie is just they like go to the fucking museum of choice, like they yeah. go to like four you know places, yeah. And he's like, 
let me talk for 10 minutes. And he just fucking talks. Right. He's like, what you don't know is that if you turn the, you know, painting upside down, it's a penis. But that was like he had. And that's his, about the Illuminati. And you're like, great. He had his 10 year run of always $100 million grocers, including two Oscar wins. Yep. And then he has two flops in the same year. Right. And so 06 is him being like, I need a guaranteed hit. And it was one. Tell me the worldwide total on that movie. So what? It does 212? I was 217. 217 worldwide total in 2006. So the international hasn't blown up as much as it has. But I still think the worldwide total is like 580. 758. That it is was insane. colossal. That is insane. Yes. For that era, it, wow. it worldwide audiences ate it up. That's why they keep getting made. Because people right. would be like, People don't really like those movies, right. though, right? And it was like, no, you don't understand. Right. Like, it crushes overseas. Because, like, the year before but then that— then Inferno, I think—I mean, it did. It made 85% of its money overseas, yeah. but still. The year before that, as Batman Begins, makes, like, 350 worldwide. Right. And they were like, well, yeah, you know, other countries didn't see movies yet. Okay, well, that's the end of our episode. That's Miami Vice. <laughs> Apologies to the— Two potential guests were probably listening to this and going, Jesus Christ, yep, what have they done without us? I know. Well, uh, if they come back, mm-hmm. if they come on the show, we'll just do Miami Vice. Separately again. or together, we'll do Miami Vice or we'll do something else. Or well, perhaps. we'll do something else, but we can also just do like a Miami Vice Patreon. Yeah, I'll do cocaine. Yeah. Ben will do cocaine. For the first time ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a Patreon stretch goal. I don't even like this line of jokes. Okay, sorry. No, oh, you're right. Cocaine's yeah. bad. Cocaine is bad. Uh, but if we get uh, 8,000 uh, uh, Patreon Ben'll subscribers. Ben will do so much coke. No, I was going to say I will get addicted to uh, ether. <laughs> I'll start huffing ether <laughs> That rags. is a very Griffin kind of thing. Right? Yeah, that's that's on brand. I think that would be a fun affectation. Would it or would it kill you? Uh, well, Quickly. I, I see Griffin, though, in, inhaling from a cloth as a delivery right. system for, right. for yeah. drugs for right. him. Like, yeah. That right. makes sense to me. I right. agree. Yes. Yeah. He's a real rag. He's dog. not a smoker. He's I'm not a vapor. No. He's not a shooter-upper. He's no. not a sniffer. I'm he's a clother. A... <laughs> he's a cloth. <laughs> I'm a man of the cloth. You're a man of the cloth. As long as there's ether on that cloth. Uh, thank you all for listening. A horrible note. Uh, please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Thanks to Andrew Gouda for our social media. Joe Bowen, Pat Rounds for our work. Liam Montgomery for our theme song. Go to blankies.red.com for some real nerdy shit. Go to... <laughs> Ben's holding a, a zoomed up photo of just Donkey Kong's face. Keep going. <laughs> Go to Public for some real nerdy shirts. Go to Patreon for uh, Blank Check uh, special features where we're uh, still going through the Marvel movies. Mm. Uh, but by this point, we've had the Keep Role Playing Game episode, which we've referenced. Woo! And uh, you listen to that, you, you might meet some fun new characters. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and a fun old character, Frazzle David. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and uh, as always, uh, we're, we're all fiends from Ohio. That's true. Yeah. I'll let you come. <laughs>